What's going on, everyone? We are live in the studio right now at our first live show of the Lombard Trucking Show. So glad you guys can be here. The haters and losers, of which there are many, and yes, I'm talking about the ATA, the DOT, the FMCSA. They didn't want this to happen. They did everything they could to stop this from happening. In fact, they sent somebody out to Des Moines, Iowa to back into my truck. They're trying to get Lombard to quit. They want him to stop. They want him to stop talking. But we got here. We are at episode 69, and it couldn't be nicer. I'm here joined by some former guests and some allies in the fight, former guests of the show who have come back on, and we're just going to absolutely send it. Going around the room, we've got Dominic Tulo up there, the bulk fuel specialist, the deaf delivery man. He came on here. We talked truck coin swap, and now I'm, help, and now I'm helping him out with the boys over at truck coin swap. Justin Martin, the last man left in Honest Freight News Media uh, over at Freightways, <laughs> as well as Reed Lostolo the founder of Lost Freight, who's trying to make relations great again between carriers and brokers. Gentlemen, fellas, let's go. There's no way you didn't rehearse that. You think I, no, I didn't rehearse that. I let that, that, that came, that came rip. I let that one. That's straight off the top. That's from all the practice of running down the road with a weighted vest. (laughs) Mike's done that with oxygen deprivation. He could easily do it on camera live with all of us. Mike, thank you for having all of us on the 69th Lombard Trucking Show. It's an absolute honor to be here. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's the biggest reason why I wanted you guys on here. And it's not like I'm playing favorites, but uh, what makes it important about, you know, this show. Well, 69 is just, you know, the number one playing into the 69 thing just goes along with like, kind of what we're all doing as a brand, uh, like on LinkedIn and everything, which is ship posting and kind of you know, changing the way the freight industry has looked. Because as we know, and I talked about with Blythe on our show, it's like, you know, if there's nothing sexy about logistics or like funny, there's nothing you can spin it. So it's, but what's, what's also, and what's also great is, you know, we've been talking about how in freight, there's this disconnect of building relationships and, uh, you know, guys communicating better. And the thing is, if it wasn't for doing this show, and if it wasn't for doing what I do, I, I would have never gotten the opportunity to meet guys like you. Who are all doing outstanding things and i think what each of us doing individually is really you know helping better the the entire logistics world so glad glad to have you boys on thanks for having us yeah so where's the go dude yeah so what's you know we what's been going on in the media you know justin you've been getting hot and heavy on TikTok again the the driver shortage narrative has has made its rounds again uh through you know major media outlets has that been well, going on TikTok? Has that been going on TikTok right now? Yeah, yeah. I uploaded a video today. It's up to fifteen hundred views. This is about the time. This is about the time of night when like the views really take off. Damn, I might like, have to stitch you. I might have to hop on this engagement train here. Yeah, I, I like to think that most of our audience is not watching stuff during the day, and then when they're parked for the night, everything just you know takes off like a rocket. And that's typically what happens with our views. But um, no, I was just scrolling through Twitter the other day and. Um, I saw Craig posted about, you know, they're not being a, a driver shortage. And I was like, okay, right on. We can, we can work with this. And so just for shits and giggles, I, I searched, you know, truck driver shortage on Twitter arranged by latest. And lo and behold, there's this guy with like 90,000 followers, never heard of him. Apparently he's some kind of like AI, AI data scientist. And I really, the, the site's weird. Like the articles aren't really posted by him. They're just kind of like these weird, um, 
It almost looks like Chat GPT generated like drill. That guy looks like a bot. It probably is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It yeah. might as well it's be. Like, yeah. I mean, there was like zero thought whatsoever put in. You, you could tell whoever wrote this was like super mercenary. Give me my 20 bucks. Here's your article. Have a nice day. It wasn't like a Freightways article where, you know, they did their research and dug, dug deep and, you know, had sources and everything. Um, and so just for, for again, for just for shits and giggles, uh, I responded to them. And then like you guys all piled on and it's, it's been great. So I, I'm going to keep this going. Um, I think there's been a lot of people, a lot of articles over the years that like when something gets put out, you can tell who's like legit because people like Rachel Premack is a good example. That's basically how she got her her start in this in this uh, industry was her editor said, "Hey, do a story about trucking," and she goes, "Okay," does the story, and her inbox just gets flooded with truck drivers saying, "Oh no, you're wrong about X, Y, and Z." And rather than brush them all aside and say, "Well, this is what you know the experts are telling me," um, she listened to the drivers and actually took it seriously. And now I don't think there's a truck driver out there that doesn't like take everything she says, you know, for granted, like the, the, every, everybody listens and respects whatever Rachel puts out there. Well, At least people, earned everybody's people, trust. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, trust is asymmetrical. You could, you could have a, you know, Dan Rather is a good example. You, you could have a decade long stellar career, but then one little screw up and then it all gets tossed out the window. It's just, what's crazy about the driver shortage narrative, like you put in your TikTok, is the fact that they've, Set like the ATA has been shoving this narrative into the media for 10 years. Why? And what so can somebody explain to me what they stand to gain from doing this? It's it's lobbying money, so they lobby federal and state governments to say, Hey, we're short on truck drivers. The states say, Okay, where do you want the money to go? And they say, To these truck driving schools. So the truck driving schools get a check from the government, um, and everybody gets, gets fat and happy off of it. What what they don't want is for companies to improve the retention rates. Because if, if I'm Walmart or the post office, you know, all, all these big companies out there with, with low turnover, I hire 50 guys, I'm good for like the next 30 years. And then that yeah. shuts the, that shuts the faucet off. And the I other just, thing too is like, if you're, if you're the journalist, like writing these articles, I totally understand why they get trapped in this. It's, you know, my editor tells me I need to write about XYZ. So what do I do? I Google who is the trucking expert. And then that, Google spits out ATA because it's the American Trucking Association, not the lobbyists that the lobbying group that uh, backs the trucking industry, not the truck drivers. You know, so they just ask the ATA, "Hey, my editors are telling me to write a story. What you got for me?" And then they get fed the because uh, you can tell I, I didn't have time today, but I, what I really wanted to do was to take like fifty different videos from YouTube and like remember that viral video from like a couple years ago where it was like this is harmful to our democracy. I wanted to do that, but with the 80,000 driver shortage because they all get fed the same line. And that's how you can tell that it's an ATA fed article is they use the same points, the same stats, the same numbers. It's always 80,000. It's, right. it's always, oh, if we don't fix it within the next year, it's going to be 120,000 the next year. Like it can't be that for eight years in a row, guys. Yeah. It's just the well, math, driver the shortages must be cyclical like every other market, whether it's like the stock market. It goes up, it goes down. Sometimes it's tight, sometimes it's not. I have seen periods of time where it's difficult to find good drivers um, or drivers at all. Maybe in like 2018, 2019, especially in 2020, when everybody was slammed, everybody is super busy. It mm -hmm. certainly gets a little bit tighter in that time. But then right now, they're abundant. You put an Indeed application up. Um, you know me, I run a small fleet, eight guys. 
I had 50 applicants in 24 hours for the most recent job posting I put up, which is insane. Yeah. Um, whereas in 2018, 2019, maybe I would get five in a day if I'm lucky. Um, so I, it must be cyclical like everything else. So to use that 80,000 figure, you know, years later is, is just intellectually dishonest at best. Yeah. And what drives me nuts too about it is they haven't said that talking point in like over a year now. Any journalist or article that's putting this stuff out, they're they're already behind on what the new talking point is. The new talking point now is truck parking shortage, which really sucks because like we all agree with that. We're like, yeah, we need we need more parking. But um they're only doing that because that's where the money's at now. Now there's all this state funding tied up with, you know, if you want uh this highway and this highway project in your district improved guess what you're gonna have to you know sign up with all this uh extra truck parking money isn't, tied up tied isn't that up. a good thing yes but uh, they can set aside all the money in the world that they want nobody wants a truck stop in their backyard yeah it's it dom's mentioned this it comes down to the zoning and what ends up yep. is going on with these bills with the, which we've been seeing at cdl drivers unlimited is a lot of these bills will start off as uh, you know, these like almost like one page bills allocating X amount of money. And then all of a sudden it goes to the transportation committee and then it's got it. But all this funds got to get divvied up to all this other ways. And they end up adding pork to it. But that's the thing. The problem is also finding where, where you're going to do the parking. You have to go through so much zoning. Now, yeah. before before we before we change gears on that for one second, Dom's a real estate guy, aspiring real estate guy, mogul, if you will. Uh highest and best use common phrase in real estate yeah how often is a truck stop the highest and best use for a piece of property oh that's a really good question um look it's not always going to be all i can talk about is my specific you know micro environment that i've been in um, there's a pilot in mawa new jersey which is on the border of New York and New Jersey. So it's a really busy spot. It's like the main vein to get up to Canada if you're leaving the port of Newark. Um, and that got fought for years uh, and took them probably five years to get that approved. Is it highest and best use? Could that truck stop be one or two miles a different way in a different town and still do well? The answer is yes, because it's a pilot. So they have a draw that most truck stops are not going to have. If you're an independent truck stop operator like me, you really need yours to be in a highest and best use location. Otherwise, it's simply not going to produce the same way a pilot would because of the national deals that they have. Now, when it comes to parking, highest and best use is a little bit different because you need property that has what's called low coverage. So you can park as much as you can and there's no buildings or not much building covering the property. So there's yeah. more space for it. But the thing is, these decisions are all made on a municipal level. So these are, while they're national problems, the decision makers are making them in such a smaller mindset because they have to, right? Because you have the school in Mawa, there's a school behind that truck stop or within probably about a quarter mile. And the school didn't want idling trucks near. So now they have a rule there where you can't idle past a certain time. Is that going to get enforced? No, probably not. Um, but now there's truck parking in Mawa, New Jersey, where otherwise there never would be. It's in Bergen County. It's an affluent part of the state of New Jersey. So you have municipal level employees doing the best for their town, which is basically leading to a shortage. And I say that in quotes, because if you look around, there's no actual shortage of land. There's a shortage of land allocated to parking. 
So municipal level, but national issue. And that's why you have this disconnect. Yeah, it's, you know, the, there's a new, brand new Loves in Connecticut that went through the same thing. And what's crazy about the Loves in Connecticut is it was built where there's already a TA and it took years and years. And now what's a similar thing is happening in New Braunfels right now. They have uh, they, they already have a massive TA there. But at the same time, they're trying to build a Loves and there's a whole website. Like I went for a run around this TA and I saw a sign that said stoplovesnb.com when the whole town is going off about something loves. They already have a TA. So the truck stop exists, but they don't want more because they don't want more traffic and more of this. So to answer the, one of the questions we got in the comments, if the property is going to be on the interstate, it's just it, from the outside looking in, the property being on the interstate, of course, would be a, a great thing because in theory, you're adding to the economy and already to an existing truck parking market. But these local municipalities still don't want, you know, for some reason, you know, the, the, the nimbyism really comes out in full force when it comes to truck parking, even when it's already there. Hey, you Mike, know, it, it's crazy. It could be pilot lobbying locally to stop that, that TA or loves from being put in because <laughs> they don't want the competition in their neighborhood. Yeah. Them well, that's not unheard of. And a lot of, a lot of communities will have like a, a website that'll say, stop the, you know, Austin, Texas loves.com or whatever. And it's like some guy lives in a nice neighborhood, but the county's decided they want to put like a loves, on the not on his side, but on the other side of his house, on uh, you know, off of what was it, thirty-five that runs through Austin, and nobody nobody wants it there, even even that far out out of the way, because I totally get it. You know, you might have a truck that like leaves leaves the loves or is on their way to the loves, gets lost, and now you know they got a truck in their front yard. It happens all the time. Dude, trucking is like literally nobody wants to allocate resource to it, resources to it or think about it or like acknowledge it until it's like way too late. And there's just a shitload of problems. Like, and that's just became even more apparent in the last couple of years. And, but that's just probably generally true with like supply chain for, for lack of a better term, just in general, not even just trucking. It's like, as soon as you can't just go to the grocery store and get whatever the fuck you want from like any corner of the world at any point in time, like you're going to just like never think about it. You know, like, people for people forget about seasons. Like it used to be, you know, nine months out of the year you couldn't buy oranges. You can only get oranges like during yeah, the oh season. yeah, yeah. I live in I live in Boston and I can't get a tropical fruit in the dead of winter. What the fuck? Like it's just <laughs> it's just so absurd. Like our perspective is just so warped by so, like how freaking awesome our system is, and like it's absurd. It's crazy. Now Cla Claudia asked in the comments if I'm on the road if there's a parking like uh, instead of. <laughs> Instead of a cornfield between two cities, would that be of use? You do get interesting with, with when it comes to finding truck parking spots. I mean, I use Google Maps a lot. So I like I park at Planet Fitnesses and I use Google Maps to kind of scope around the area. So, I mean, it's not as though it's impossible. But what the biggest problem with parking is, is it's related to so many other issues going on. We have such high turnover in the industry. So the people who are trying to find parking, who are having issues, are the people driving your general freight of all kinds. So they're parking illegally. They don't know where to go. They don't they have the experience to get that creative and on top of that what's even crazier is this truck parking didn't really start to become a major issue until the eld mandate that yeah. i mean I, I think the eld mandate it really accelerated the issue because now people are starting and stopping driving at similar times similar hours 
and uh, especially when it's based around certain appointment times, shippers and receivers, you know, don't don't allow parking on their, you know, on their properties. I, I don't think the ELD mandate has helped, and that's what's also pushed more turnover. And when you have more turnover, you're going to have less experienced guys trying to, you know, uh, know where to park safely. That's a that's a great point. I, I was just talking with Gord today about, um, you know, they they say that they make these rules for the the um, the exception, not not the the rule. Um, so you'll have guys that say like, well, you know, if they can't find truck parking, it's just because they're not trip planning or whatever. But like you said, so many guys are parking at the same time because they're all running out of hours at the exact same time because all the shippers and receivers all have the similar similar hours. You know, these guys working at the warehouses uh, don't have to worry about whether they're where they're parking for the night. They, they clock in, do their shift, they clock out and they go home. You know, and the truck driver that they loaded or unloaded or is waiting to get unloaded or loaded the next day is sitting there in their, in their parking lot idling if – you know, the place is, is cool enough with letting them do that. And a lot of places aren't. Now, Dom, at your truck, at your truck stop, do you, uh, do you guys have to pay there at all to, to park overnight? They do. What it, we, we sell in uh, 12 hour increments and it's basically a dollar an hour. Um, and if you buy reasonable 75 gallons of fuel, the parking is free. Uh, if you buy 150 gallons of fuel, the parking is free and the shower is free. Um, now you have to consider where we are. The average truck stop in the United States is on 25 acres. The too low truck stop is on three. So yeah. land is super, super scarce. So the parking is scarce. We only offer about 30 spaces that are designed for that overnight parking. But yeah, in, in your aspect, well, even, even though you charge for parking, which I'm not against that because number one, there's even places in Texas that will charge for overnight parking, the small ones. The, this is what the independents have to do sure. to survive and compete in this market against the major retail stops. But you, I mean, where you're at, you're so close to the New York metropolitan area. I mean, parking up there is essentially a, a nightmare, even compared to where Justin used to live down in Philadelphia, like Justin, you know, you, you said Philadelphia, you can find your honey holes and your hiding spots, New York, you know, up, upper New York, you're screwed. I mean, I, yeah. I'll never forget when I had delivered in Elizabeth and I was at this receiver for, you know, five, six hours. I, I was very lucky. The next place I was going was an actual Walmart. I was picking up self checkouts at right by JFK because I was scared at where I was going to have to park uh, going so from Elizabeth just to JFK. Yeah, so the Sunoco's up and down the turnpike. I think there's nine or ten of them. They have a lot of truck parking that's free, uh, but a lot of a lot of those drivers. Well, I shouldn't say a lot, but some percentage of those drivers chooses to pay to park with us because they know their truck's not going to get banged into. They know we have cameras on site. We have 24-hour security just constantly monitoring the parking lot. So there is some value add, but some guys don't want to park at the Sunoco's because. You just have a bunch of over-the-road guys who are not used to tight parking. It's tight in those lots, so they get their trucks banged up and no cameras. The TA in Wildwood, Florida, that was the first time I was ever like offered crack by just some rando walking through the parking lot. <laughs> and so a lot of guys park across the street at the Chrome Shop. That is a, that is a value-add service. <laughs> <laughs> you had a, that, that's, so that's where that NIMBYism comes into play. That's, so the, I remember the article about the loves in Connecticut – is specifically in the article, they didn't want a drug dealers and women of the night to be, you know, to be frequent in the area more yeah. because let, let, and well, let's be honest, when it comes to truck parking, that's where a lot of it is. Like, you know, the loves yeah. in West Memphis, 
the you know the Petro and Gary, Indiana. Like some of these, some of these truck stops are built in very undesirable locations. Can, like, can we can we also just acknowledge, Mike? You just said this. Like, how is there not a truck parking app called Honey Hole? Like, <laughs> like that is the that's most that's that's the most obvious name I've ever heard. Like, now that you've said that to me, I'm like, yeah. that is the best name for a, a truck parking site no. ever, like ever. No, oh, the, yeah? the thing the, the thing with parking like that though is like, yeah, it's a spot, but it's not somewhere where you want to like leave the truck unattended for a couple of days. Adam, at your truck stop, do you have guys that like not just park overnight, but like they use your truck stop for when they're doing their home time? So we offer monthly parking, um, yes. So guys can park there nightly, and there's a lot of that by us because 80% of it's owner-operator, single-truck owner-operator who just do drayage work and then park and then drive home to like Newark or a surrounding metro. So, yeah, we do have that. That's like every truck stop in South Florida. Um, so oh, many really? guys – like if, if you're just driving through the area and like say you're dropping off or picking up for the day – and you need to find like overnight parking, good luck because all the truck parking is taken up by guys who pay by the month or the week or however long. They're not just parked right. overnight. They're parked there for days while they're on their home time. So when I was down there, um, I actually, so I was lucky. The guy that I was driving with, he found a spot for us and it was inside of a vacant lot. Um, we paid, the, I think the rate was actually 200 a month, but we just parked. We paid $200 every time we parked, which was like every month and a half. Um, and it was great. And the lot's still there. Um, it's not the greatest lot. I mean, it's, it's literally just a dirt lot. And right. I think, I think maybe another 30 trucks park their, park their stuff there, but I mean, that's it. There's, there aren't, there's no loves or TA or I, I think the, the furthest South Jupiter, I think maybe, or a little North of Jupiter, there's like a big flying J and the blue beacon and all that up there up at 95. But other than that, maybe the turnpike, you know, if, if the service plazas are still open, which a lot of times they're not, cause they're always under construction. Um, yeah. South Florida is a huge, a huge mess. Um, I just visited my brother-in-law there last month and they have a public distribution center right behind them in, in Boynton Beach, Florida. And I was watching where all the trucks in the area would just like sandwich themselves between some palm trees. And they're like, yep, this is my spot for the day. It's like, Jesus Christ, they got to do everything they can to park down there. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Florida's a rough spot. Now, uh, Aaron Dunn from the Trucking for Millennials podcast, he, he dropped a comment on here saying he talked to Evan Shelley. Uh, which which is from Truck Parking Club. Now, Dom, you had yeah. spoken to him recently too. Now, what? Yeah, what what is it they're they're trying to do? They're trying to capitalize on net, yeah, not primarily the landowners, but just with like empty spaces on existing yeah. yards. Um, my perspective of what they're doing, he may say it a little bit differently, but it's similar to Airbnbs or it's similar to Ubers. It's illegal to just start being a taxi driver, but Uber found a way using technology to kind of work around this. It's illegal in some municipalities to just rent your place on a short-term basis, but this app kind of just, Airbnb just kind of makes it easier because it's so seamless and you don't need a contract and you don't need a lease. Truck Parking Club, in my eyes, is very similar in that you don't need to have your parking lot zoned as truck parking. The guy doesn't have a lease He's only parking there for one day. So it kind of skips the zoning process. And I think that's the true beauty of it is it kind of democratizes the ability to truck park. And that's why I, I love when Evan said to me, there's no shortage of truck parking. There's just a shortage of basically the truck parking that's available being properly marketed. And I, I thought that was pretty sharp. I also like that Evan mentioned that they will offer 
free truck parking when possible. So, you know, they really do have truckers in mind when building this. Um, and then one of the women who works there who helps run it, who actually takes the phone calls and does customer service was in the trucking business. So it's really built in that mind frame for truckers. And then the last thing I really liked is they do have some boots on the ground that will actually drive out and see a facility and make sure it's adequate for truck parking, make sure it's safe. So when you put all of those things together and, and the obvious need as we're talking about, I think the sky is the limit for truck parking club. Yeah, I, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm super bullish on those guys too. Uh, I, 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 w I would love to have him on the show here soon to, to talk more in detail on that too. I just love that it's been making, he's been making the rounds. People have been trucking for millennials. You, you know, you guys have been talking to him. He's making the rounds and, and that's, it's just, like I said, cause the, there's only two angles. The two angles are going at it the slow conventional way of raising funds, doing it your way, like how you have a truck stop and like going about it that way. Or, yeah, like getting the government involved. And look, it, this problem has been, for the most part, caused a lot by government action. So it, it's going to take the like, it, it's going to take the funding of the federal government to help in some ways, considering they're the ones who maintain highway systems. Uh, so going that way, but that route still becomes so messy because everything in the transportation. Uh, anything that goes through legislation has to go through all these. It has to go to committees. And then they have to change it in committees because they have to appease all these other other yeah. people. It's it's so it's so corrupt that it just yeah it, the barrier it just makes you want to give up, you know, uh, on on the issue. But this they've created another angle from the position Airbnb that I can uh, I th I, that I think is really going to work too. I think we're at such an interesting inflection point as where you look at this podcast that we're recording right now, it's four young faces. It's guys who are passionate and we're actually talking to each other and teaching each other about the different parts of our company. You see Evan Shelley, young guy, super passionate. He's making his rounds. He understands social media. He's probably not saying no to anyone's podcast. That's why he's been on so many of them. It's so intelligent. And then earlier in the show, I wanted to stop you and say, then you see like what Reed is doing with like building memes, like get it, making it like funny and entertaining to like share real things that are happening and actually educating like lumper appreciation week. I've never <laughs> heard of that, but Reed's making it funny. It's viral. People are learning. Mike Lombard, you're on TikTok. You're making like David Goggins esque videos running down the street. It's entertaining. It's hard hitting, right? So just what's happening right now, I think is such an interesting time where quicker than ever, we're actually going to see a lot of these changes and improvements actually get made. I sure hope so. Cause I, I can't tell you how many group chats I'm in where they just, they, they circle the wagons on all these topics and everybody just says, okay, what's, what's going to get done. What's going to get done. So, well, we're, we, we, we do that too. Sure. That's half the fun. <laughs> I mean, we like every single week on the, on the Twitter space, we, we rehash the same exact thing to the point where I have to be, be like, yo, let's, let's fucking, this horse is already glued. Like we're, <laughs> we're, we're done, man. Like, no, but, it's, it's a vicious circle in that. And that's because the freight Facebook groups. Yeah. The, this one group, the, the owner operator, no authority group for this N O O A organization. That's, trying to put themselves together. It's, it's a constant group of people talking about rates and is, are they serious with this dollar five a mile stuff? And there's so many people out there who want to 
uh, organized and stuff like that. And that's what's gotten me involved with being, you know, being with like, that's what actually floated me towards the Schmitz more, mm -hmm. Lee, and, Lee and Lisa Schmidt on this and CDL Drivers Unlimited, because they're not just circling these wagons. Like what's going on is like solutions are actually being proposed. Like we're drafting letters and letters with solutions and went to DC to speak to the Transportation Research Board with a packet of solutions. Hey, these are the rules in the books. This is how they need to be enforced. Like nobody's proposing solutions. There's a lot of complaining and talk, but I I know I know that we do it too. But there's solutions coming out of you know the Lost Freight Discord as well. Yeah, the first the first time I talked to Lisa over the phone, and they kind of gave me like the full detail of like what happened because I I don't know if you know my story of how I first ran into them. Um, I did a TikTok uh, doing like a, a reaction to their all these different websites were doing articles on their application for like a, a solo exemption from hours of service rules. And my mistake was that I read a summary of their summary, which was a summary of some other summary. So I was getting like all kinds of like basic stuff wrong on it. And she just lit my ass up in the comments. <laughs> and I normally don't read the comments because it's, it's just a wave of just, you know, the most dumb shit ever. But um, I don't know how, but hers got like through and came to the top. And so I read it and I was like, Oh, I fucked up. Sorry, I don't know if we're allowed to say F-bombs on here. But um, I I DM'd her, and I was like, I am so sorry. Point me in the direction of a sword. I will, like, lay on it. Just tell me what to do. And so we, we talked oh, to each cool. other over the, over the phone the next day, and she gave me the whole rundown of, like, their plan, step by step, exactly what they were going to do. I was like, oh, man, they actually know, like, what they're doing and stuff. So, no, we, I, I told them I will, I will take the video down if you want me to, but I'd rather keep it up, and I'll do a follow-up video because I don't want to, like – be one of those guys that just like hides all my mistakes and you know to make it look like I never screw up or anything. I, I was like, I and, and to this day, I'll still get comments on that video from people being like, "You idiot! You don't know what you're talking about." So it's great, um, um, and that has actually helped me a lot on TikTok because people have seen like when I get stuff wrong, I own up to it. I'm like, "Oh, I I, I effed up. Like, I'm sorry. You know, here's 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 how I can correct it." And like we were talking earlier, like that just gives guys so much more trust. You know actually screwing screwing up um like accidentally not on purpose but like just you know oops I, I messed up here's here's how i can fix it owning it and then moving forward does so much more for your reputation than just like deleting everything hiding the skeletons you know making it look like you never you never make a mistake like that that is huge to people in this industry yeah because e ego is taken over a lot over the past yeah. egos have been showing a lot especially this entire year um with you know with especially with the videos i've made talking about you know, being, leasing on with a carrier versus your own authority, all these different factors. A lot of people's egos are showing where they feel as, and the guys from Blue Ribbon Logistics talk about this. These people feel as though that they're owed money um, by, by certain uh, groups and entities when they, you know, when they themselves are like Reed says, you know, you're, they're just swiping right on load boards. And unfortunately, that's not going to get you the money you think you deserve over a long period of time. And the solutions are going to come And like, yeah, I know Reed, Reed says we, we do it a lot too, but the only way solutions are going to come solutions, I feel like can get manifested sometimes just by having open dialogue and conversation, owning up to mistakes, yeah. being in a place like our discord and just, just talking, literally just having conversations is how you're going to come up with these solutions. Yeah. That's, the only, it, that's, it, yeah, that's it, the only way that it's going to happen. But, yeah, because it, it might be it might be like just the eight of us like all having like the same thing over and over again. But someday there might be like two extra people in there that weren't in there before, you know, and and, and the new idea might come along. Um, I saw in the comments earlier Lumper Appreciation Week. I gotta tell you, Reed, I don't know if I sent you um, the message. Ra Rachel told me that she, the the lap the laptop class is learning. <laughs> Dude, they like 
that we got to blow that shit out of the water next year. I don't, it's I don't so know good. what we're going to do yet, but like, <laughs> I mean, whatever the date it was, May something like we gotta, we gotta just come up with some sort of just like absurd thing that we could do. Maybe we can like go and like get like, we need to find somebody who owns a warehouse and maybe we go like unload trucks for a week or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and make like make like a video of us like pr- trying to be lumpers man like <laughs> I, I, I i that's what I, I don't know i'll figure something out like we'll, I, we'll do it i think getting a plaque uh getting a plaque for like getting a custom-made plaque with a, a, an etching of a forklift on it and like you know or for like best like best, like like li- like literally the lumper of the year award and we, just, <laughs> and we go to a random and like, if you sent an email to a capstone logistics at like the, the capstone that works at the Cisco in down in San Marcos or, or wherever, if you just were to email like their supervisor, it'd be like, hi, there was a random survey done, you know, by this company. Like you could totally lie and they would believe it. And you just be like, <laughs> we, we, like, we found out that this employee at your, or you ask them to nominate like, Hey, we're, we're, you know, we, we found that, you know, data shown that you guys have been the best lumper company in the industry. And we want you to nominate your best forklift operator. I, Dude, they'll fall for that. Hook no, Dude, the, the, the I, trophy. I'm not trying to own them. I'm not trying to dump on uh, dunk on lumpers. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 it's, they're not like the, the actual guys doing the work there are not the ones setting the prices. No. You know what I mean? But, like, oh, no. <laughs> but I, I like, I like that you talking about lumper appreciation brings like, more people into the into the know because like when i first started trucking in, in 2007 like nobody knew what the hell lumpers were like outside of trucking like when i when i would go back home when i would tell my friends like all the bs that i had to deal with and stuff they're like what that's nuts but then like later on in my professional career like more people know because i'm talking with more drivers but now that i'm driving a desk and i'm talking to more people outside of trucking <laughs> again when i mentioned when i'm when i'm laughing at your memes about lumper appreciation everyone's like what do you what is this what is what do you mean so they have to explain to them like what lumpers are and like the, the bullshit that drivers have to deal with, and they're like, "Wait, this this is a th- this is like really a thing? Like you can't just sh- you get you have to pay somebody to unload the truck for you when you get somewhere?" I'm like, "Yeah, dude, all that happens all the time." That's that. Just in general, though, like posting memes that are like hard to even tell if you're serious or not, and then people <laughs> take them seriously. Like these guys who are like flaming me on LinkedIn for for posting appreciation <laughs> week has got to be like the funniest thing like ever. It's oh, it's just so awesome. The outrage, yeah, the outrage was the best part. Like the people who did get on there, who like fell for that clickbait. Like, are you kidding? I've spent three hundred dollars. Like my carrier, one of my drivers couldn't leave because I had to cut him a three hundred dollar EFS check or something like that. Like, there's people who actually bought it who like appreciate them. And the, the people who fell <laughs> fell for it. Oh, the trophy, sh- the trophy should be like a gold com check. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's okay. what it should be. Or like some, like a framed, a framed gold com check. You know what's nuts about the idea of lumpers though is just how in general, like so deregulation. We've talked about a lot in the show. Like deregulation was kind of you know skewered like the Teamsters and kind of you know and and changed the the trucking industry. But what the but the thing to carry on from that era has been the lumpers like the, hmm. the like because you know these lumpers are unionized somehow they cur- you know they they were able to kind of go untouched in this industry and like because there's never gonna they're i don't think you can ever get rid of them 
Like I, I don't think it's. it's are they union. all union? I was gonna say I don't think they're. I don't think they're unionized. It, they're, none, of the, none of the ones I've ever interacted with were. They're not all unionized, but but some of them are. But just but in general, but those companies they they offer the same like pay and benefit. Like they pay really well. They have really good benefits. Like just them existing. Like how come they weren't deregulated? You know, like where? How come that didn't? Maybe the nothing, joke. Maybe the I mean, they kind of are. Rutgers. I mean, there there are. They're like a whole separate entity from the warehouse. They're not paying them insurance. They're, um, you know, they're not most of. I mean, depending on the freight they're they're touching, they're not doing background checks or anything. So like, it, I mean, it totally it totally makes sense. Like if I if I'm a young guy in like my twenties or thirties with like a criminal record, um, this is a great job because it's probably cash under the table. Um, you know, as long as you're as long as you have a pulse and you're showing up for work every day, they don't care. Dude, they, uh, but Capstone tries to make, my favorite thing about it is that Capstone tries to make it seem like some super sexy thing. They mm. call it like the tactical operations team or something like that. How long, like, has Caps, how long has Capstone been around? Because I never, I don't think I've ever been to a single Capstone warehouse once the entire time I was Capstone, in Capstone, dude, Capstone un- unloads a lot of, a lot of warehouses. Yeah, that, like, that's been who I've worked with. Yeah, they're like. Why don't warehouses there. just hire their own people? Because then they would have to hire their own people. Nobody wants to do that. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, no, that's just the same thing in every domain. You know, like contractors and staffing companies and right. Yeah, <laughs> people, yeah we if, just if, like if, like to compartmentalize like our lives in our economy, I guess, and just like turn everything into this like abstraction, and and like we just do that with everything. Yeah, yeah. No, pu- Publix. Publix had a really good system with with their guys. Like, we didn't have lumpers. We actually had like employees, and. Well, again, this was this was back in like the early 2000s, so it could be different now. But you were offered a choice of being paid by the hour or by the parcel. And a lot of guys, when they start out, they decide to work by the hour. But then they they see what all the seasoned guys are doing there. And what they do is they, they come in, clock in, they hustle, slam like three trucks in a row, and then they clock yeah. out for the day, and they're done. And they're and they're making way more money. There's, than the guys that there's work like by the hour. just a severe like, and I've been thinking about this a lot just in general. Like when I go to Starbucks, and I ask the uh, and I ask like the person making drinks or whatever, I'm like, you know, and there's like 70 mobile orders, like sitting on the, on the, uh, yeah. the, 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 you know, the counter. And I'm like, do you like, do you like the mobile order system? And I ask, I ask people this at Chipotle. I ask them at Starbucks, everywhere I go, I ask the workers, I'm like, what do you think about mobile ordering? And they're all like, I fucking hate it. Like, yeah, this sucks. As, you know, as the consumer, people, why why would you want it too? Like if you're ordering an iced drink, it's warm by the time you get there. If you're ordering a hot drink, it's not, cold. But by not the time even you get not there. but not even that. Not even that. Just hold hold on. So like they they hate it, and it's just simply because the kitchens and the like the preparation areas are not designed to handle the the, yeah. the throughput and yeah. the order volume that you know the internet. And not having to be right there ordering allows them to really create, right? So now all of a sudden, you know, you go from making, you you go from being able to take whatever, however many orders an hour, to being able to take unlimited orders per hour, theoretically, yeah. right? And well, and they don't and they don't like their compensation is not changed, and there's no variability yeah. to their compensation. And like, there's no upside to making more drinks, despite there being upside for the company, right? Well, you get, you get tips on the orders. Yeah, maybe, people should tip more. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they do. But when you're like a stone motherfucker sitting on your couch, like waiting for your DoorDash Chipotle to show up, like you know, you, ah. you have, you're not looking that person in the eye when you're stiffing them. You know what I mean? Right. Like, the, the, not, that's 
that's a good point because if I order something to go, like if I go and pick it up, I don't do a tip. But if it's being delivered to me, yeah, I tip. You're right. It, yeah, that's a good. You point. are right. That that has been the biggest problem, and you know, I know. Um, and I'm friends with, you know, several progressive people. And, and this is where progressives are right in a sense of like, I, and Gord even talks about this too, is that, you know, hours worked and productivity has gone up and up, yet yet the wages yeah. have either stayed the same or gone down in, in a way, you know, because when you're working more hours and when you're producing more, well, then how, how come you shouldn't be compensated for it? And I mean, even, you know, uh, we have a LinkedIn comment from Madison who shout out, <laughs> pre- appreciate you uh, tuning in live. She's been very engaged on the show. Uh, you know, she says they can't control the capacity. Like when you have that much capacity, you know, and it's limitless, you know, you, you, you know, you can keep ordering, like Reed said, you know, everybody hates it because they're doing more work, but yeah, yeah. They're not paid anymore. Can, I, like, I think it's when, kind of a problem. They, they can, they can build that into the app. Like I know like restaurants, if you're on uh, Grubhub, you can turn your restaurant on or off. Like if you get, if you're busy in, in your work in your restaurant and you don't have time or the, the workforce to do online orders, you can just, you know, pause it for the, for the day or for the hour. So that I, would I, require an onsite manager who's cognizant and realistically sure, sure. Starbucks is just, which is, you know, which is a big thing these days, right. To have somebody competent on site and actually be the operator, um, let alone, there's no way Starbucks is going to let their stores not take orders. They, yeah. They want that money. The right thing to do would be, be build these places out in a way where they can handle the orders. That, that, remember, that was supposed to be like the next big thing during the pandemic was like instead of a new McDonald's with like a uh, a dining area, it would just be like a, a McDonald's or whatever inside of like some random warehouse space where all they would do is like online to go orders. And that kind of like fizzled out and went nowhere. You don't hear you don't hear. In fact, a lot of restaurants, remember the, uh, like Chili's and Applebee's and all those restaurants were like it was their company, but they would have like five different little like restaurant sub restaurants under their names like that. That just got uh, shut down this year, too. You know, in Madison comments again, she says exactly competency within, you know, which Don was talking about having that manager, which is crazy, you know, because I follow kind of like labor news and stuff on Twitter because it, this idea of a shortage, labor shortage is trickling into other industries now. Yeah, yeah. Ser- service industry being one of them. Uh, like this idea of certain labor shortages. Now, I've actually heard that uh, nuclear scientists, I had a friend who came on the show, uh, her name's Zoe. She works in the oil and gas industry. She went to a conference where actually, because of like political reasons, a lot less people are going into nuclear engineering. So that's a physical shortage that's going on. But in other aspects of labor, like um, in the service industry, they keep talking about shortages and shortages and people, you know, this phrase of nobody, you know, nobody wants to work anymore. Like you always hear that from a lot of conservatives. Nobody wants to work anymore. And it's like, is that is that really the answer? Because we talk that's not the answer in trucking. You know, it's not that nobody wants to drive. How many you know, there's X amount, you know, there's how many CDLs and surplus, you know, at some point, you know, and this is, you know, when libertarians get butt hurt when they hear about this. But at some point. The job has got to be worth it, you yeah. know, for for people. Funny, funny how you mentioned it was like nuclear scientists that are um, uh, they're short on. I, I was literally while I was making dinner before I came on the podcast. I'm listening to um, this uh, talk by this girl talking about um, string theory. How like string theory in the last 30 years has just been a complete waste of time. So you have all these tenured professors who 20 years ago got like a nice cushy job at a university somewhere have nothing to show for it, but all these other areas that they could have gone into and produced something of value are now all short because for the last 30 years, everybody's been funneling into string theory 
And that's, that's kind of how we, we can apply this same thing to like all these other industries. Like I'm a millennial. I graduated high school in 2002. So I was trained from kindergarten up to, you know, if you want to make anything of yourself in, in life, you have to go to college and then graduate and get a degree and, you know, do X, Y, and Z. And the first school that I looked into while I was in, in high school, it was film school. And they're like, yeah, it'll be $74,000 a year. And I said, no, thanks. And just went to work, you know, it's the, and I'm making less money than other colleagues of my, or other, other classes, classmates of mine that did get degrees, but I don't have, I don't have any student loans. Right. You know, yeah. like my, my, my wife makes a lot more than I do, but she's, she's also paying $800 a month, you know, with her student loans. We haven't paid them in the last three years because of the uh, student loan pause, but that's going to expire uh, in July. So that's going to be $800 a month. We won't have. Yeah, they may they may gross more than you, but what are they netting after yeah. after expenses, which are, are factors people don't people don't look at that. You know, they, yeah. they look at it just from you know what their yearly paycheck could be. Which the, those student loan things, yeah, I mean, it, I, I know it's always controversial talking about student loans. Me personally, um, you know, and this is just from a moral standpoint. You know, we bailed out banks in the auto industry. You know, all the and so like I said, you know, I I'm I'm fiscally conservative in a lot of different ways, but when it comes to like what we've done, number one. You know, and Dom knows this, you know, we know that money's fake and fractional reserve banking has been is an absolute, you know, gutless. I don't even know why it exists, because it's literally a, a, a Ponzi scheme. But, you know, we've bailed out these other industries. The thing is, if you were to, quote unquote, cancel student debt, what it would do, the amount of money it would free up in the economy I think goes beyond, uh, I don't care if banks get damaged. Like, I don't give a flying fuck if banks, you know, thought it was a good idea because the government said so to give 18 year olds money for degrees that, you know, had no, there's no, they were just giving away money at will at no risk for people getting degrees and, you know, who possibly careers that weren't going to afford them enough money to even pay back the loan. So oh, yep. just, just yep, because yep. the banks trusted the government, I don't care if, if the banks made those decisions. But the thing is, so, you know, we, we already bailed out, you know, the banks and we bailed out the auto industry. I think, you know, some of the American people who were fooled and gaslit into, hey, you have to do this. You you if you don't do this, you'll fail. Uh, you know, I think cutting them a break or cutting them some slack on it just frees up so much more money. You're looking at, oh, now, now they'll maybe go get mortgages, buy homes, buy cars, you know, they'll go out they'll bring that money. They bring that money back out into the economy no matter what. I Mike, I think you're so spot on, but that would band-aid the issue and it wouldn't solve the underlying reason the issue exists. True. So they would need to not only do that, but it would also have to be that schools are schools are only $75,000, like Justin's mentioning, because you can get a low interest rate loan. So schools can charge more because the money's cheaper and more abundant. So if the government stopped giving loans in general or really tuned them back or didn't give all the money that you could possibly ask for, schools couldn't charge as much. Debt wouldn't be as bad. And then we wouldn't have this over allocation of everybody trying to graduate school and then going into finance. Right. We're, we're too long on finance in this country and we don't have enough engineers. We don't have enough electricians. We don't have enough plumbers. We don't have people who actually are willing to do the real work. We have a bunch of keyboard monkeys. We all want to sit behind the desk. We all want to just punch numbers and, and make all this money passively, whereas we don't have all of those trades that we need to. So you're absolutely right. I don't care about the banks either. I would love for these people to just be able to have their education and 
and not have to worry about all all this overhanging debt. But also, if you look at other countries versus the United States and you see where our education system is going, we're basically trending towards the ground as far as the quality, whereas all these other some other countries, whether it be like China, is just trending straight upwards um, and it's a, more of a communist state. I don't know how they pay for schooling over there, but over here, we pay for it with interest and the money is so abundant and free. You think our money's fake? You should see theirs. Um, no, to, for me, to me, the, the most... The biggest bullshit thing about it too is is it's not even the education. Education is free. You can go, you know, truck drivers. We know this. You can listen to podcasts all the. I guarantee you, truck drivers are some of the most like on on the whole, truck drivers out there that are listening to podcasts, you know, ten hours a day are probably some of the most well educated guys we've ever had in this country. It's the accreditation. That's that's the key. You're not paying for the education. You're paying for the accreditation. Um, that that film school that I was going to was called Full Sail. And back when I was looking into it, they didn't even have accreditation. It was a, it was like a tech school, and you got a certificate of completion when you went to their program. Um, I had a friend who went there years later when they changed their name to Full Sail University, and now you get a Bachelor of Science um, when you go through their program. And I think their tuition is like even is like double now because they have to they have to tack on all this extra stuff that has absolutely nothing to do with sound engineering or three D animation or film school. Because in order to be accredited, you have to have you know. Uh, feminist history and uh, algebra. algebra and all these other classes that they, they have to tack onto it to get the accreditation. I think the first, the first company, the first large company that decides, okay, we don't care what you have, as long as you can show that you can do the job or you agree to work with us for X, Y, and Z, and we'll teach you and build you up. As, as soon as like accreditation goes out the window, it, it is game over. The only thing that people go into these schools for now is, your social your social networks that you build because you'll you'll probably like be in a fraternity or whatever and you know you make some friends there and those are the guys that like give you your jobs 10 years after you graduate um or you know you, you still keep in touch with like your your, your professors and stuff that you went through school you guys, absolutely you gotta ask yourself and in my my opinion on all this is probably not popular mm-hmm. but like or i don't i don't know i don't know about that but like it's not the question I always ask myself and take everything I say with a grain of salt. But the, the question I always ask myself is like, is my opinion useful to me? You know what I mean? Is my opinion about the way the world works useful? And in that, I mean, like, is it useful for me to sit back and be like, I have a philosophy degree, by the way. For, for you guys, just for your no, really, record. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I do, and um, my, it's like I could just sit back and be like, "Fuck, like I'm screwed, like there's no where are the philosopher jobs? Shit, you know, <laughs> like I could just sit back and do that, or I could be like, okay, like great, like what am I gonna do, you know? So it's either you know, the system's broken or, and I need to fix the system or I'm broken and I need to fix myself. Which one's easier? The second one, right? The second one. And we have way too many people sitting around being like, oh, the system's fucked. Like, God, it's like, guess what? What the fuck are you going to do about it? You know what I mean? You got to play the game either way. The system may be broken. It may be rigged. The game may be, the deck is stacked against you, 
guess what? It probably is. But like, what, what are you going to do about it? You know, like, and, and you can sit around and be like, oh yeah, like, you know, we need to fix education and all these other things. And yes, we do hundred percent, like whatever that means. Right. And it's so easy to say all these things that like sound awesome. Right. But like, what are you going to actually do about it? Like what action is going to be taken? And to me, it's like, you know, I'm looking at the world and I'm just like, you can literally do whatever the fuck, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't matter if you have a degree. It already doesn't matter if you have a degree, right? If you tell yourself that, oh shit, I have a philosophy degree. I, I'm, I'm going to amount to nothing now because US News and World Report said my degree is the most useless fucking waste of time ever. Like, great. Yeah, you're right. But like, if you're like, okay, great. Like I have philosophy degree. Like, what am I going to do? It's like, oh, well... I can do this. Sure. Of course you can. You could probably make fucking, you could probably read Plato's Republic on TikTok in like a Southern accent and make like a million dollars next year. You know what I mean? Like it is just, you can just fucking Lombard could probably like run down the street and recite, you know, whatever, like insert fucking Shakespearean play. And he could, it's just like the world is insane and you can do anything. Anybody can do anything and like just people need to tell themselves that more, you know, like it's just crazy that people like aren't saying shouting this from the rooftops. Right. But the reality is and that's true. It's so true. It's unbelievably true. But the reality is, is that nobody's going to fucking do anything about it. Most people are never going to do anything. And therefore, that's like a good message to the people who do, because your competition is basically zero. You know what yeah. I mean? Like. <laughs> And, and I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing to say, but that's just the truth. No, that's great. But again, I, I think you have the type of personality where you are, you just you yourself are like super malleable. So I, I, I guess I, I want to think that like whatever system you went through, if you come out the other end, you're still going to be like, well, that was something. And then you'll just go off and do, do, do whatever you want. I've, I've been saying for a long time that I, I think the, the, the schools and the systems that we have set up now aren't making people like you. And whether that's like a nature versus nurture thing, whether you need to be born with it, I don't know. But I know yeah, that I, I, I don't know I, what system would make somebody like me. I have no I, idea. I don't know. But I, but I, <laughs> I, I do know that like the, the, the best kind of people who are going to succeed who are in school now are those who can learn, unlearn, and then relearn. Because if you're the way we have it now is like you got to know what you want to do for the rest of your life by like middle school and then yeah, go through the schooling. That's lie, dude. That's a scam. That's nonsense. That's like it that's is. Like shit that, it is, that but that's we what they're. That's like what, but that's what they're being told. When you like your whole life was lived in a factory working for one yes. company, you know what I mean? Yes. Like we 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 have a very like static view of history. We almost like these days we almost think we like live in this like inert world where nothing ever changes and things are always the way they are and forever should be that way. It's like we like to harken back to like the fifties when one income could support like a family of. 3.5 kids or whatever you know what i mean yeah. like that is not the world no you know and it never will be again and as much as we want to like freeze time and just have the the playing field remain the same forever for this one tent but guess what that like 15 20 30 year period where shit was really awesome and working is literally the vast 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 exception to the rule of history yeah. you know what i mean like before that you life was brutal yeah. you know life was brutal for everybody literally everybody even the richest people in the world life was brutal right and and now like 
sure, you know, maybe for those 15, 20, 30 years, whatever, you know, golden era you want to pick, it's like, awesome, great. Like, that's how it was for a very, very, very short amount of time. And maybe we'll get to a point where there's something like it, but we're never going back. This notion of going back is fake. It doesn't yeah. exist. No, like, that is, that is a, that's a scam. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm in agreement. I'm, I'm in agree to, agreement with you 100%. On. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying the way the schools are now, or at least they were. Plus, like when we were going through school, was that's what it was expected. By the time you're in high school, it's like, okay, where are you going to go for college? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what that. Like, I, I, I wanted to do X, Y, and Z when I was 18, and by the time I was 25, I was doing like five other things that I never even thought. Like, if you'd have told me at in high school, if you told me that by the time I discovered Newgrounds.com, that there would be all these like weird behind the scene behind the scenes things that were that happened where. I would like befriend the guys who like created the website and that would like lead to these 20 connections that would like lead me down to the job I have today. I never would have believed you. I just thought you'd have been like some raving lunatic with like, you know, a bunch of dots connected conspiracies behind you. But that's, that's how life is. That's what life is. It's, it's always who, you know, not, not just what you know. Dude, you can know people instantly now, you know, like look yeah. at us. Like we're, yeah, yeah. we're just like a bunch of fucking assholes on the internet, like talking about whatever the hell we're talking about right now. Yeah. Right. And we and we got to where we are now because we pressed a bunch of like <laughs> straight up. Like that's all we do. Monkeys scream into a keyboard. It's um, awesome. I, I want to we, we, we mentioned it briefly. I want to see a good series from Mike. Oh, Mike, Mike, this is a good series for you. Um, next time you're jogging uh, in your TikToks, pull out a copy of the Machiavelli's. And just like read like a like an excerpt or two from there, <laughs> just like I want a whole series of you just reading quotes from that book. Just from you did rants. you did you did a, a, a rant about him recently, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, it was his birthday recently. I and I owe one to uh, Todd over at TCS. I, I do. I need to. Rem- I need to remark that probably that's why uh, I, sh- I I can link Machiavelli being because Machiavelli ended up being outcasted and, and he was tortured and stuff. And I think it, and we can link this to because it was the Medici family who he was, who he was such a patriot for and, you know, and, and change, and, you know, he, he changed the whole like political, you know, he's the father of, you know, political science, so to speak, but yet he ends up tortured. I think you can link it to fractional reserve banking. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait to see how you link it. Dude, because yeah, yeah, yeah. How else can Medici, how else can Machiavelli go from hero you know, almost you know, worshipped by the Medici's to then be being a, a, an outcast and tortured. I think the, the link in that chain is probably has to do with the Medici's fucking fractional reserve banking. That, <laughs> let him down this, this road. We need this yesterday, dude. Yeah. We need oh, this now. We don't need Machiavelli's intelligence and great ideas anymore. We could just make fake money, and and and, <laughs> and now it's valuable. Yeah. Let's torture this guy before people start believing him oh more, more than this fake more than this fake money we're gonna pump out. Oh man, that's such a good bit. It, it kind of makes me lament that like social media and, and all that didn't exist when these guys were alive. Like, thank oh. God we had printing presses and stuff. So we got all their ideas written down and, you know, they were <laughs> saved over the, over the years. But yeah, just imagine like ideas like that, like being in the, in the, in the zeitgeist now, like there are, <clears throat> excuse me, there are like your, your political radicals, like on the fringe that still talk about Machiavelli and stuff. You know, we, I, I asked you before, if you're like a fan of uh, Curtis Yarvin and all that, he has this um, program, this idea that he calls rage. Uh, retire all government employees and to, to me like that is like the perfect like forget like overthrowing like forget like a violent overthrow of the of the, the government and stuff just do like what all the baltic states did it's like hey soviet union's collapsing we're not going to kill you guys just please take your pension and go away 
Like just just <laughs> just take the money and go. And yeah. I think if he I think if he did that with a lot of like of the corrupt people in politics right now, they would just go, "Oh, okay, yeah, bye, see ya." I'll take yes. the money and go, dude. And there, dude, there's something very. That's why. That's why you know I went from being people ask me how do you do it. How do you go from being a libertarian in 2016 to now a based monarchist at this point? <laughs> and it's because you, what you, you what you have to do is you have to do that. You have to be the grand Napoleon of things to be like, hey man, here's what we're gonna do. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm actually going to uh, I'm gonna retire you. I'm gonna give you a full pension, and the, and you know, and, and you can ride off into the sunset. Or you know you could face total annihilation like that. Yeah. That's so much better. Like, <laughs> what do you prefer? Yeah, you just did you put that in your Twitter bio right now? <laughs> yeah, you please? should. I thought you did. I thought I thought you had it in there. I, I have Napoleon respect in my Twitter bio, but it's so okay. like retired government employees. Like, hey, all of you all have not done your job well. Here's what we're gonna do out of fear, you know, out of fear of you know rebellion because that's the thing. You know, you you retire these people. C- Caesar did this during the Africa campaign. His yeah. troops and Alexander did this at the you know towards in India. All of his troops were getting ready to mutiny. They they were very unhappy. And what does he do? He says he said fine. He said fine. You all can go home. And Alexander did this. I think when he was near India, he goes, you can all go home. And then the army I've built along the way, the places I've conquered. They will fight for me now, but all of you who came with me and I gave, I made you richer and I gave made you governors and I gave you these honors, the same thing. You can all retire. And what do they do? They stay with them. Caesar did the same thing in the <laughs> African campaign. These guys were pissed. They're ready to go home. And so that, you know, the first the Caesar walks out, he talks to all these guys in front of thousands of his soldiers and he just calls them citizens in Latin. He just he yells out citizens. He retires them all. He just sends them, hey, you're fine. You have full pension. You can go. What do they do? They right, they're right back with them rallying. It, I love, I love how know? Lombard actually has like the history to back this stuff up because I, I just listen to like these like crazy guys going on and on about monarchism and you know retiring government employees. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's fun. And I go on to the next one, but you're like, yeah, no, oh, yeah. No. I'm just saying some of these, you know, t- you know, some of these things. I think they, I think they have some. Yeah, I think they still have some kind of purpose, you know, like sure. I say, when it comes to, I mean, when you look, I think democracy, you know, people think democracy is perfect. It, it, it's really not. I mean, democracy is literally a gaslighting contest. And at this point, it's not about, <laughs> it's not about proving who's better for mm-hmm. your vote. It's about proving who's worse to not yeah. get your vote. Like that's like, that's and we see we, we We see that right now. It's never, it's never like, you know, what can I do for you? It's vote for me or the other guys are going to kill you. Yeah. Is that like, <laughs> in what way is that efficient? Is that an efficient way to run a country? Yeah. <laughs> it's a great have way to guys, break one uh, apart. Do you guys, uh, Lombard, you, have you ever read about, uh, you probably have, you, brought, you read about uh, Lee Kuan Yew? No. What about? Does anyone know who that is? He, mm-hmm. He's like the founder of Singapore and he basically turned Singapore from like a uh, rice paddy into like what it is now. And he was like, basically, he was a dictator, basically, but he was like, not, you know, like a Pol Pot dictator, but like, uh, I'm like, a basically like a businessman, and I am going to control everything. And he like, evaded death multiple times when the Japanese like took over Singapore in World War Two. And I think you would like him. And so he's he, a based dictator. He, yeah. In many ways, he meant, in many ways, Lombard might consider him a based dictator. What, uh, dude, look at the evidence. Look, at, just look at what Napoleon did in Malta when he came into Malta. Like the, the entire country, just like in, in a matter of seven days, just took everything, compartmentalized it, revamped their education system, paved their roads, installed street lights. Like all this stuff he did within a matter of a week of walking into Malta. He did the same thing after the Italian campaign uh, <clears throat> when he defeated the Austrians. 
in the, in like he liberate like Jews were living in ghettos. He liberates the Jews living in Italy. He, you know, he, he, like these towns and stuff in Italy were basically essentially run by Catholic church uh, syndicates uh, where priests had these like kind of like priests had their own armies uh, in these towns and they were just run by like, uh, you know, these random Catholic, yeah, like syndicates. And he, you know, liberated these towns and went in there and he's just like, all this stuff is going, this guy was on the field of combat. Uh, he would be like on the field in, in combat uh, in the midst of a war. And he would take 15 minutes uh, that had to do something with, uh, you know, arts and literature back in Paris, so, like some other, like almost like the, you know, a certain department back home in Paris, he's got to figure out this issue, send correspondence and then get back and do this. Like that idea of intelligence just doesn't exist anymore. And I don't know if you could do it with, with a, with a democratic Republic. Imagine what someone like that could have done with like real time communication. Like what we got today. That's nuts. Madison M says those empires don't exist. And look, we can get into that and it's because of, and, and you know, and we can link that all the way back to <laughs> fractional reserve banking too. Because, <laughs> eventually all all, imp- all empires have collapsed is that just yeah. like the root of all evil lombard honestly Fraction. it probably is that's where it all starts to go wrong because the ones who actually need to keep those reserves backed cannot be trusted there's never been a situation in history where someone doesn't get the bright idea to print more and back it with less and it just gets out of hand wasn't there isn't there like a whole conspiracy about like like a lot of opponents to fraction to the federal reserve were on the titanic and they all like drowned oh yeah titanic was an inside job that's That's like yeah Yeah. that's very known i i think the olympic was actually posed as they switched them for insurance money on that that's a whole different story but yeah there (laughs) there were like three yeah look at who was on the titanic and then look who was supposed to be on the titanic and then wasn't Mm. Yeah. If you're if you're ever in Phil- if you're a big like the t- Titanic buff, if you're ever in Philadelphia, um, go down um, Columbus Avenue all the way down to the end towards Packer Terminal and towards the east side near the river is the USS United States it is one of the sister si- sister ships of the Titanic. Uh, when you're looking at this giant rust bucket on the dock, it's literally the Titanic, but just with a different nameplate on it, and hmm. they've had plans upon plans about plans and like what to do with that thing over the last few decades like some people wanted to turn it into casino others are like just scrap the damn thing it's literally falling apart others are like turn it into a museum um i i was able to like you know run, run up and touch it because i was parked next to it on the docks but yeah it's it's just a huge rusting pile of shit right now the, but the when, you, when you look united at united states yeah the uss united states i'm looking i'm i'm, I'm here right now Ex Marine uh, is their gold at Fort Knox. I I was in the Marines and I couldn't tell you. I would have if it's a fort. <laughs> I couldn't tell I you. That. I, I can't tell you if there's gold or not. I've never been to the the, the the vault there, but there are a ton of grenades. I, I delivered many 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 grenades to Fort Knox. Oh, so you've so you've deli- well Fort Knox is it's technically still an army post. It's a it's a tank training facility. Um, I had friends that lived like out, out in the country near there and on the weekends or, or like just any random time during the day, you'll just hear a kaboom in your backyard. And it's, you know, a tank round being shot into a hill somewhere. Really? That's all, yeah. so, and you used to deliver the munitions. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When I, when I, when I held AA&E, um, I delivered all, all bases all over the country. I would, I would see some cool stuff. Yeah. No, so, awesome. But you didn't see any gold at Fort Knox. No, no. Well, I wasn't delivering gold, so I don't, maybe maybe they're blowing it up from from all the munitions I was delivering there. Uh, 
No, the, the one time, the only time I ever got to like see, or if I thought I was going to see something like cool and spicy was, uh, uh, was it Creech? Yeah, the, the, the Navy base just north of um, uh, Nevada, uh, uh, Las Vegas. So it's, you got Creech Air Force Base, and then there's like a bunch of hills, and then you got Area 51 just north of it. And we're delivering missiles to this base because it's where they like they test like all the drones and stuff out there. And the, I couldn't help myself the whole time they're unloading me. I'm just bullshitting with the GIs there, and I'm like, "So what's over that hill, guys? What's over? You know, when do we go?" Over the, and they just like every time they're just like, "Dude, shut the fuck up! Just because <laughs> <stop." Yeah>, <laughs> they get it all the time." Yeah, you yeah. know, that, actually, it, that's something I would I think that needs to be touched on because I've listened to that Rogan episode with Bob Lazar, and I have yeah. no reason to say that Bob Lazar was wrong about anything. I, I, and, I, yeah. and then same thing with uh, with you know Commander uh, Fra- Fra- Fraser, 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 yeah. the Navy pilot, and then another guy. He was he was just on a show the um i think his name's dr sean ryan uh i'll have to look up that podcast he's another guy who essentially talks about how the, the alien technology is already here and exists and it's kept secret above the presidency and above the cia because essentially who has this technology de- declares the winner of, of earth and it goes into how uh, a lot of this changed because when we send off nuclear bombs it's caused a reaction like a butterfly effect to these aliens. And that's what's caused their systems to go crazy. Regardless, it, what makes me curious about where Bob Lazar works is how are they, is the trucks that bring them their supplies? You know, like what, what CDL drivers are bringing them their food to these secret military. So, so they, so they, a lot of them, a lot of it's like flights. They had those chartered flights from Las Vegas. Um, they drop it. No, no, no. They, they, um, so the people who like work there, like if you're clocking in nine to five at Area 51, you, you have a chartered flight from Vegas that takes you there. Um, but as far as like the food delivery and stuff, that's all just brought on regular trucks. Like it's it's just like any other delivery. It's just more of a pain in the ass because you're de- you're dealing with like the guards and you know, folk get out of your truck. Justin, they, what's they, the closest city to there? Uh, is it Armagosa Valley? Amargosa? Isn't north of Vegas? You said. I'm looking so yeah. on on Google Street View, you know how if you pull out the little dude, you can like drop him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you're in this area on yeah. Google Street View and you pull it out, you no, it's a UFO that comes out. Uh, it's not a guy. Google's yeah. got like a UFO there. There's <laughs> yeah, there's there's like a gas station near there. Like the whole the whole t- town is all like UFO stuff. Like they they told they're totally into it. Um. Let's see, Vegas. I mean, you yeah. can't even pull that guy into nuclear plants. Like it stops says, bef- well before the gate. You he says Rachel, Nevada. That sounds Dude, about right. Can you? Uh, do you think that the aliens have a have a truck parking shortage? <laughs> well, see, that's the thing, and that so that's what's crazy about this episode with Dr. Sean Ryan is essentially with this technology, it, it would eliminate it eliminates the need. What this alien technology actually does is it eliminates the need for energy because you're, the energy you're getting, and this goes back. This goes to the real Tesla, not the fake Tesla owned by the car salesman Elon Musk. The, the, the real Nikola Tesla. He had this idea that this you can get energy from the Earth that would power power your shit. And um, like you, you're, you'd be pulling from the Earth's energy bases, and essentially energy is free. That's what this alien technology does: is it makes energy free. So it w- and what it would do? He's saying we have this. Yeah, and the idea is that we have this, and we have it, and we have it in like, and it's possibly, probably owned within the United States, but we don't know if it's also owned by China or Russia, because this technology, the reason why it started to go haywire was because. We drop nuclear weapons and dropping the nukes is what set off like this butterfly effect because that energy did something to 
you know, these aliens technology, because what it could do is like transportation becomes moot because you could just you have essentially what the you know, these devices uh, are like use a negative gravity type of technology that allows them to move in all these different, dire- you know, different directions. So, I mean, imagine if we never if we didn't need not only imagine if you didn't need oil and gas for anything at all. And I'm not talking about electricity. I'm not talking about like nuclear this energy sounds like a solution to the driver shortage well, yeah yeah the, the, the thing the thing with me though is like if we if that technology existed and we had it we would have been using it yesterday like we would like the whole reason we fight in all these like overseas conflicts is over your resources like we have plenty of resources here we just don't want to be digging it up like they do it, over you know in like dude, the, it's, the it's, saudi arabia it's, and stuff we are we are we talk a lot about inflation but we don't talk enough about deflation because technology yeah, no. is supposed to promise deflation. And we, it does. we literally, it like, I don't, does. I don't think people like thinking up about deflation. It can't because the government's current always debasing the monetary supply by putting money into circulation with mortgages. You have to understand, like, and I didn't realize this till I really dug into it. When you get a mortgage, that money is minted into existence, that money didn't exist before you yeah. got that mortgage. So you can never reasonably have deflation, no matter how good the technology is, when the monetary system is always expanding. No, well, it's, it's, all, it's always about scale. If, if it can scale, it can deflate because look at our TVs. Our TVs, the TV you get now for like 300 bucks is better than you know a $30,000 TV 20 years ago. Yeah, but the cars I, I, are I, I, more I, expensive. That, that I think that's a... Can you can you tell me other technology that's or other products that have come down in cost that are that considerable? No, car, cars is a good example because you look Phones. at what features you look at the features that are in like Computers. a base model car now. A, a, a thirty thousand dollar base model car now would have been a, a ninety thousand dollar premium trim car fifteen years ago, um, and a lot of that's just because of the legislation. Like. Dude, I, a thirty thousand dollar car now. Yes, but the cars aren't it. cheaper. They could be if it was fifteen years ago, but it's not because it's today. Yeah. Well, okay. So, like Subaru is a good example. I drive two Subarus, and the last one I bought at um, the same time. Uh, <laughs> no, not at the same time. I, I have one. I have a twenty twenty seventeen. Um, I'm blanking on it now. Twenty seventeen Impreza <clears throat> and a twenty nineteen uh, Forester. And when you go to Subarus now, the, the first thing that the salesperson is going to tell you is, oh, well, you know, the, the rear-facing camera is standard in all of our cars going going on 2017 forward. What they don't tell you is that that's, like, mandated by the federal government for all cars 2017 forward. Right. Um, kind of like when Werner likes to say that they've been pioneering electronic logs, which I find is funny. It's like, oh, yeah. great, you're the pioneer in them. Also, they're a disaster. Yeah, cars are funny because TVs – the better TVs get, the cheaper they seem to, to the, the cheaper they get uh, all around. Cars are, yeah, cars are another beast too, because I, now me, like, I, I'm all about, you know, having a little bit better public infrastructure. There's too many cars on the road. I, I mean, and like, we, we can't argue, like, if we can get more people off the roads, I'm not saying eliminate the need for people to have cars, but having, giving people more options, I think it is, shouldn't be off the table for people. This, you know, I understand like we're quote unquote not going backwards like Reed had said, but you know, a hundred years ago there were town cars in cities like West Haven 
and stuff that you know trolleys you that street, up and street down. cars street cars yeah dude can we talk about how firestone and gm and standard oil all colluded to destroy the streetcar networks of our great major cities exactly they gate kept and yeah, gave the gut, yeah, lobby government money like people have no idea it's just like oh it's the free market it's the free market no it's really not not when an entire industry yeah is la had like the biggest streetcar network in the world and it got like destroyed yeah, and it's all because of government lobbying money. So it's actually, no, it's not the free market wanting. The reason why everyone has as many cars as they do is because... We're covering a lot of bases on this on this podcast. Yeah, I love it. This is very appropriate for episode 69. Yeah, it's because pe- people don't have choices <laughs> on the cars. Uh, but what I don't like about cars is all the technology in them because people don't seem to understand. And I know that, and I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it was, might have been... Uh, Bezos, one of my enemies, who, who I declare an enemy, <laughs> who said this. Somebody was mentioning like how, oh, oh, oh no, I think it was Jim Carrey. He said this. Jim Carrey was just like, oh, when you don't have that unpaid t- parking ticket, that, that car is going to take you right to the police department. You know, like the, you know these were like when you have an infraction, like on your car, or you didn't pay a parking ticket or something like this. All this technology in these cars, when they're able to just shut it off and shut it on, when they're especially when they're electric you know, in their charge, when they have all these computers in them and they have 5G and Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, and I think, uh, what's it called? Gord has said this best. The most eco-friendly car you can get is the one you already own. But shit, if I could have a car right now, it would be like a 1992 square Cherokee, you know, that you can fix. You know, they've made these cars unfixable to yourself. There's so many computers. There's so many wiring. They're doing it with new trucks now, too. That's why truckers yeah. love... You know, that's why they love running outlaws because, well, they've been trucking for so long. Now they can work on the truck themselves. They can figure it out because you can see everything now with all this other stuff, all the OEM parts waiting on part. You can't fix this stuff yourself anymore. You can't even you can't even do Is you own a BMW. You can't do, give your own stuff. Do the, OEMs, the OEMs like have benefited from this tremendously. Is that is that the case? Yeah, because they can make more money on parts and service, and, and, and they they don't just make money just on selling you the tractor. They make money on service. Yeah, it, yeah, down the line. I can't like even they check the oil in, the, in my they car. They want in on like the uh, like the <laughs> subscription revenue. Um, I can't check the so, oil in my car, and um, you can't. No, I can't. There's no dipstick, <laughs> so I have to go to the computer. And I was always told that you cannot check a car's oil while the engine's hot because the engine goes through the cylinder heads and spreads it. out and does its thing. My car makes me run the car for five minutes and get the engine hot before I can check the oil. So it doesn't. That what? totally goes against the logic of what I was always like understood. Yeah. Um, one other quick thing, and, and and we all have these like micro situations that like make us seem conspiratorial about things, but uh, I have a I had a least 2019, uh, 2017 Mac Anthem sleeper cab. This thing, we ran the piss out of this thing up and down the turnpike, and it never had a single service issue. And then I have hmm. purchased Macs that are a disaster. And it's like, what are you guys doing different to these leased trucks? That it never went back to the dealership, not even once. Like, I just can't get my head around it. I'll never buy a truck again. I'm only going to lease because they clearly program the software different or do something different. You lease them from dealerships. Yeah, like from a. They from don't the want Mac them back. Dealership. They don't want to see them back. So mm-hmm. there's just something different about the lease trucks. Look, there probably isn't, but I think there is. Yeah, I mean that. You, you might, you know, you may be onto something there because I'm curious about that. I mean, I've always heard what's crazy is it was more common 
pre-COVID, it was more common than you think. There's guys I followed on YouTube. Some guys really got started in the industry by leasing a truck from a dealer, not doing lease purchasing. They would yeah. lease a truck mm-hmm. from there. I think there was a place out in Utah called Wasatch Leasing was a real popular one that a lot of guys would go to. And they I'll would never buy a power unit again, Mike. Yeah. And they and they lease from dealerships. I mean, do people do you get is it like a legitimate thought that they're like treating these leases different than they are there? No, I'm making it up, but I don't know. I mean, I love making shit up, but like when you put two trucks side by side, you run them the same way, same routes for five years and one's in the dealership every three months and it's owned and one's never in the dealership and it's leased. You can't help but wonder. And the least one, I'm sure, comes with uh, um, some sort of better maintenance package. We don't have to do anything. Yeah, if anything breaks, they have to fix it. Anything. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Yeah. I think I think you might open up a can of worms on something. Well, we actually own true. one of those truck computers that you plug into the under the ignition port to diagnose a truck. Um, oh, my 65 year old father does the truck truck maintenance. Um, doesn't do the hands on stuff, but dispatches it out to. Uh, like a, a mobile truck repair guy that we use. And my father's been maintaining trucks for, you know, 40 years. So he's actually found it like a, a new challenge in trying to figure out how to maintain these new trucks. So we bought this computer um, and we don't go to the dealership as much as we used to, because a lot of the times we just have to force a regen and you can do that with one of these computers. So we yeah. save ourselves a lot of time not having to go to these dealerships with that computer um, but taylor that software is not cheap no yeah you have to keep up with the software what did it cost you like four thousand dollars yeah it's like four yeah. grand for the software license and then the computer itself is worth nothing but yeah. it saves us a lot of time our friend taylor built uh you know on, on twitter he tells me he did that too he bought a thing and he forced regens his truck uh, i forget his routine exactly but he says that he forced regens in his truck and he's seldom had issues with his truck like yeah. just gets regular oil changes he even he even goes a little bit longer on oil changes like he doesn't do maintenance as often but doing forced regens I, I, it, it seems to help uh it does. Seems it's to, funny to help. funny funny how like him and all you guys are doing like forced regens when we got our new trucks at, at the post office they were 2021 20, uh, internationals and so these are the first trucks any of these guys that ever run that had def and did park regens or rolling regens and all that and the first um, dozen or so uh, 10 and 11 ton trucks that they gave us, they're uh, Peterbilts. And a lot of guys, when they're parked, idling their truck, eating their lunch or whatever, you know, it'd kick into regen. And they're like, yep. what the hell is that? They press the override button and it would stop. Oh, that's the worst thing you can do. And so they would do that again you're and fucked. again and again. Yeah, you're fucked. And, and then six months later, boom, half, half the, tr- the fleet is out of service because so many guys, you know, sm- smoked up the engines because they, they, they weren't letting the regen do its thing. Oh, you're screwed, especially if that truck doesn't get um, – your trucks probably did. My trucks don't always get highway mileage. I have three of my trucks only go about five miles a night, and they never get up to 60 miles an hour. Um, so we have to regen them manually all the time. But yeah, sometimes no. we'll just take them up the highway and just blow it all out. No, these, yeah, these, these, were, these bypass, were all local – yep, these were all local trucks yeah, on, you're on screwed. local routes. Yeah. Um, the whole time you guys were talking, I was actually like poking around Area 51 on Google Maps, and I found a road that leads straight there off of Nevada 375. And what's funny is the the road that goes off of that state highway, it's a dirt road, but the the camera that's on top of the Google Street Streetcar 
when it's pointed down the dirt road, there's a there's a cop car coming straight at it. There's a like a plume of a dirt coming up behind that car. So I, <laughs> I, th- I think somebody at the base was, you know, they, they're monitoring that road, the traffic and everywhere. And when, anytime they see something with like a camera on that, they will probably send the security force out there to. That poor driver we never seen again. Well, okay. You remember, remember that stupid meme like a couple years ago, where everybody's like, let's all storm area 51. They can't catch us all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Facebook group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when that was happening, I was like, please, please let that happen. I, I, I promise you the, 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 the Every base I go to, is, it's like the same group of guys. They're all, they all look like Lombard. I would love it. And they're just <laughs> bored. They're bored out of their minds with absolutely nothing to do. They just, they just want to finish their shift, go home, and get as you know blackout drunk as possible, and then go back to work the next day and start it all over again. Fact. There is nothing they would love more to, than to have something like that break the monotony. You would make their day. Skulls. Oh, you'd oh, make yeah. their year. There's guys that would yeah. like make they, they, what, what kind of service meritorial badge would they get for like that, Lombard? If they crack a couple of hippie skulls. Oh yeah, they, somebody. Yeah, they would definitely make up some sort of ribbon for those guys. For what they'd have to, because those guys would demand some sort of, because they demand some sort of combat action or campaign ribbon for it, or some conflict. Yeah, for they definitely well, make they, a conflict. They can, they ribbon can either for shoot it. up the guys who come to Area Fifty One, or they can join Lombard's Rebellion of Canada. Yeah, that's what we do. Retire, our, retire our, our all the area. 50, yeah, retire all the area fifty one employees, and then we can actually finally see what's going on there. Yeah, and and, be, and and like and like Reed says, with this um, uh, broker rate transparency, we're all just going to be very disappointed. Yeah, yes. people are going to be like, <laughs> well, wow. we don't need to. We don't need to fucking talk about that dead glue. Maybe next <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah, no, I I didn't know if we were going to hit on broker transparency at all. It is it is dead glue because what's crazy is is it's just. <laughs> yeah, because people are still talking about it. Like I said, the, the Facebook groups are still always going on about like, what are these brokers thinking? What are the, you know, they're still going on about TQL. And it's just like, you know, at this, at this point, what, like, I could tell you, like, the broker's not making any money on that load. Nobody's making money. Like, you, you got to read the room at some Are there still brokers lowballing? Yes. But it's just at this point, like, dude, the economy, it's in a downward spiral right now. There's not freight moving. The transparency. Once the if the shipper found out, if I was a shipper and I found out I was paying three thousand dollars to a broker who was giving a carrier eight hundred dollars as a shipper, <laughs> as a shipper, I would never work with that broker again. I'd be like, "You're a fucking scumbag," yeah. and like that, and that would be found out so quickly because the shipper wants that probably data probably reconciled because the shippers who wants the transparency, they want to know, hey. Am I actually paying for this transportation? They want to know yep. what you're paying for. Oh, wait, all these guys are looking for freight so bad. I just went on Facebook and I have thousands of truckers who are like, I'm not getting paid anything. Oh, I'll just go work with them. So if, if the transparency existed, it's just like we're at that point. Maybe, maybe a little bit last year. I think last summer there might have been some transparency issues, especially because fuel was going up. Um, and, and the, and, but now that things have kind of, uh, like I said, it's dead glue. And we're just we're circling the wagons on it, Don. When you mentioned earlier about leasing a truck from the dealership, that kind of made me remember um, a lot of the contractors that we run into towards the end of my career at the post office. They all kind of like had like the same. They would all drive like these black Volvos, brand new, real nice, tricked out trucks. But they, none of them knew what the hell they were doing. They're all like fresh off the boat Russians whose cousin got them their CDL and got them the job. And they're like, yeah, just just run the tires off for six months, collect your money. and and then go home. Don't worry about the truck. The bank will repo it, or I'll find some other guy for Craigslist right. to, to fill it in. But yeah, I, I have to imagine that's happening a lot. Sure. Yeah, you lease a truck and just ditch it. Yeah. That's stupid. <laughs> um, you, um, 
Speaking of getting in the truck in Lombard, you uh, still here from uh, G Face at all? Oh, you said no. he blocked you, didn't he? Yeah, he blocked me uh, uh, on there too. And I know I, I ruffled the feathers with the, because speaking of lease purchasing, I just went on trucking for millennials today and I mentioned like lease purchasing, which Dom is something that I'm so glad you never have like ever encountered on your side of the freight world. And, but like, you know, I, I had that video pop off about people who do the lease purchase program thing at prime. And uh, I mean, that's another, that's a whole other gimmick along with the people who have been selling trucking as a, a form of passive income on YouTube you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's the uh, company. Yeah. Passive income. And I, I don't know in yeah, what passive. world, like in, in what world, where are we at now to where people truly think they can make money by not working? Like, it, you know, it's just, I'm sorry, but that's not how it works. Unless you're, so, unless you have so much money to invest, to put into different fucking brokerage accounts, guess what? If you want income, there's no such thing as fucking passive income. No. I refuse. I refuse to be, to believe that. Even like, and you're showing that right now, Dom, with you with you, like doing a sh- doing short term rental stuff. Yeah, that's not, that's not fucking passive income. It's the you're- furthest thing from passive. It is absolutely active income, and people try to say real estate in general is passive income, and sure it can be, but the best operators are act very active operators, and they make their properties nice, and they make the most money, and they rise to the top, and then all the passive people. Are the reason why you see some of the headlines that say like Airbnb bust, and you see a lot of these guys who are just like bellies up on their Airbnbs, it's because they just bought generalized houses in the middle of nowhere, or they own these houses before COVID, and people were traveling in ways they otherwise wouldn't, and that applies to to all markets. Um, but yeah, there's really no such thing as as true passive income unless you just inherit a ton of money and just put it in government T bills. Well, how about like areas like the Ninth Ward and and um... Um, Louisiana, where yeah, like um, there were there were entire areas just completely wiped out by Katrina, and then when the neighborhoods were rebuilt, um, a bunch of like Airbnb um, entrepreneurs like just snatched up entire square blocks, you know, and and that that was just an article I read like years ago, and I still don't know if any of them are still around. Um, but yeah, it's absolutely wild. Like you you have you'll have like locals who didn't move out after Katrina, and next thing they know, like the entire like community around them has completely changed and it's all short-term rentals and people there just to party for the weekend and, and leave. I'm pretty sure yeah. that's what, I'm pretty sure that's what Dom's doing. Yeah. My neighbors hate me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. the, you know, with back what I was, with the lease purchasing, these types of the lease purchasing has become, and are we talking so, about lease purchasing or short-term rentals or well, what we well, well both because the, the mantra and the ideology of like, getting into a business with nothing down or somehow making a business work with, with little or no input. And don't get me wrong. There are people who have succeeded. Uh, you know, there's a girl on TikTok who, who DM me her story about how she succeeded with, you know, lease purchasing from prime and uh, you know, and that's great. And there's people who went off it. However, in the majority, this system is set up for large carriers to convince the, you know, people who are, more so disenfranchised that they can own a business with very little down. They can walk away very easily. And all it really does is it suppresses wages. Like yeah. wages become suppressed because yeah. a bunch Guys, of people. I'll, I'll be right back. I'll be right no, back. Yeah, sure. Use my help. Yeah. A bunch of people came onto that post and were saying like, I'm a fleet owner. I'm a fleet owner now. And they run, you know, they're like, I have three or four trucks. And it's like, you have three or four trucks of paying somebody, 
you're, you're paying somebody 50 to 60 cents a mile, 1099ing with no benefits. Like all it is is just you've become a glorified like MLM manager because like yeah. what's, what's stopping your driver from going to doing the same thing in leasing? Like how are you keeping that talent? Like it still keeps the turnover high or the or the fake driver shortage that the ATA gets away with saying still keeps turnover high and it just brings and it just keeps wages down. And all you really get to do is you're moving mega carriers cheap freight for trucks that they're no longer having to pay for. Imagine being a, a like being a company like Prime or P- Pam Transport and you can get people to pay you to drive their assets. Like you're, Listen, you're paying you may be thing. able to get away with that in a really low interest rate environment. And you may also be able to get away with that until you have a truck that actually has an accident. Trucking, especially on it when you're an asset-based company, Mike, you know this better than anybody. When you're actually an asset-based company, that top line revenue gets small really, really fast after you pay all your bills. So if you want to be a prime operator and you buy a truck and you can find an asset to drive it and not ask any questions about how this happened, that's very short-lived and it's not going to last forever. The moment you have a real issue, the party is going to be over. Yeah, yeah. Madison Madison absolutely nailed it. I can't tell you how many times I see on social media now uh, people who um, are documenting their journey, you know, going into trucking school and saying, oh, I'm going to sign on to carrier X, Y, and Z and, and you know, this, this, and that. And then as soon as the word lease goes out their mouth, I'm just like, oh, they're, they're done. They're, they're not, yeah. one, they're not even going to be driving in six months. They're going to be out of the industry. They're going to be bankrupt in six months because so many of these people go into this because, you know, they're told, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a great, it's a great job. There's a driver shortage. You'll be making, you know, $80,000 your first year. Easy peasy, you know, just sign on this dotted line and, and you know, go, go move some freight. It's, it's not that easy. They're sold a bag of goods. If you want to do that, go W-2, learn the business, get an understanding of it, become friends with your boss, ask him questions. Maybe he'll teach you some things. I love when guys come work for me and they move on to bigger and better things, whether they learn from me and they can own uh, owner operator. I think that makes me more happy than anything. Not all bosses are like that. I love when guys come and learn the industry and move on, but that's the best thing you can do. And then completely tune out the Facebook pages who will try to talk you out of it. And they'll try to tell you, oh, it's the worst time ever. Sure, it might be. Swim against the tide. Don't lose your shirt. Don't, don't, don't buy a truck with money you can't afford to lose to feed your family. But, you know, I see these Facebook pages and guy is saying how he's so excited he bought a truck. And then there's 100 comments about, oh, my God, it's the worst time ever. Why would you do that? Man, that be, shit, that shit drives me crazy. It can be. But it also also can actually be the decision you make in your life that will actually free you from the rat race, that will actually get you out of the truck for a 14-hour day so when you're in your 40s, you can spend time with your kids. And I feel bad about saying that because someone's got to do the real work. Someone's got to drive the truck at the end of the day. But if you manage to get out and you manage to graduate to the next level and you can run a great company of guys who love you and you give them good comp, and good vacation time and good benefits, and you can be one of the few to escape the rat race. Don't listen to the people on Facebook because they just wish they could do it. Swim against the tide and just do it. Yeah, really. no, I, I, there there are so many scumbag uh, fleet owners out there. Excuse me. <coughs> if you have like a decent operation and you take care of your guys, they're they're gonna be they're gonna have to be like dragged away from you, kicking and screaming. I, I can't tell you how many 
postal contractors I knew that like treated their guys like shit and they were still their drivers were like some of the most loyal guys out there. You know, it takes very, very little to make a driver feel appreciated, even even when like they're being completely <laughs> taken advantage of. Right. No, yeah, I did the same. I mean, I got my truck when it was apparently one of the worst times. That's what now I think would definitely be worse. I think if <clears throat> if I didn't have a truck at this point, but still the situation was the same, I don't know if I would get it. Only not because of being discouraged, but just because of uh, reading the market or whatever or not knowing the setup. Yeah, well, well, the only thing that worries me in groups is when guys go, just got this truck. Should I get my own authority or should I lease onto a carrier? What do you guys think? What what are you, Who are you guys using for insurance? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You should have probably set yourself up before you got that truck and doing that because that's that's what I'm looking at. Is like because odds are this guy was like, holy shit, if I buy a truck, I can make money. That's my only difference. Is like, hey, before you got that truck, like you should have, you know, been made sure within a week or so, like numbers are going to be on it from somebody, whether it's your own DOT or you know you're going to be leased onto a carrier. That's when it's it becomes frightening when it's like, holy, holy crap, wait a minute, you don't have. And, you know, insurance, you don't have bobtail insurance set up yet. You don't know if you're going to go lease on. Whoa, <clears throat> that, yeah. that's those are the red flags. But yeah, other than that, no, guys should go all in at bad times. I think the only reason I know as much as I know now is because I got the truck in a down market. I think if I rode a two year good wave where I was swiping right and, you know, banging hot freight every every load, <laughs> you know, like you wish you were on Tinder. Like I think I think if I was doing that and I was just cash flowing all this money. I might have let I might have remained ignorant and remained blissful to to the the dangers of when that market drops. And I and I wouldn't have been able to, you know, I talked about that on Trucking for Millennials today. We talked about ego. We talked about guys who say, Oh, I'll never lease onto a carrier because I'm building somebody else's dream, or I'll never, you know, I'm gonna find my own freight, you know, what? do this. Like, yeah, they'll make any excuse to stay on their path because they're they, they must be right because they've been driving for 10 years, so they know or like when it's just like when they're not looking at it from the business perspective, I know we can argue about the contractor model. I know um, there's a guy on Twitter who argues with me about the contractor model. And I know we have that Twitter account of, you know, port port driver and Jay. And I think the ports have it, the contractor model really messed up. I know that there's indentured servitude with it, but there are ways to make it work and actually grow a business. And, and you know, like I said, like Reed said earlier, though, control what we can control. Like, is the system flawed? Yeah, I'm trying to help fix it. That's the long game. That's why I'm making a podcast. That's why I talk to you guys. That's why I'm part of CDL Drivers Unlimited. That's the long game. But right now, I'm going to do what I can do, control what I can control, and just do whatever I can, you know, or or do whatever I want and figure it the fuck out. Yeah, that that poor Twitter account. It's a guy named Richie. He's a great guy. Um, I keep trying to. I keep forgetting to invite him onto the Discord. I'm going to get him one day. Um, but yeah, I, I think with him. He was out of the port of uh, New Jersey, so um, you know he's dealing with like some 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 of the rough rougher parts of the area out here, and I I think that and like the port of L.A. Long Beach, those those kind of areas are they've been run so messed up for so long that like you said you know exactly what you said you know you just got you got to bail out. There's nothing you're not going to change anything there overnight. It's, yeah. it's been it's been messed up for too is that, long. Is that the guy who was saying that all these people who are like selling their labor? for too cheap are working too hard and are like not being like you basically was like you need to be lazier that's basically what he said he was making more of a pro-union argument i think he was yeah. saying yeah th- there are a lot of people i mean it's true i mean what's going on at the ports is you do have a lot but, of but that's just like such a non like that goes back to my point about what can you do that's just like such a nonsensical opinion to hold 
Reed, I would actually love to moderate a debate with you and Dude, Richie. That would I don't be fantastic. have like I don't have look, he has thought about this way more. He's this is his thing, right? Clearly. Like that's his thing. This is not my thing. I don't have a dog in the fight. I just was and, and when we were on the space, I was like just trying to ask the question in such a way to get him to repeat, okay, so these these immigrants or whoever, whatever person, whatever group you want to assign to, like whatever label you want to put on the group, they're s- willingly selling their labor, their time for a rate that is less than his or less than this like ideal, quote unquote, like good rate. And they're being too efficient. I mean, I was it just didn't make sense to me. It didn't make well, sense to me. That, that, that's, yeah. where the, that, that's where the protectionism of like unions come in is like, you know, scab, as, as, as they would argue, scab labor devalues their value. Of course so it does. Of course it does. So they're, like, they're, if they're somebody's going gonna... to work for way less than you and be more efficient, yeah. like, of course it's going to devalue your labor. They, yeah. that, I don't know how efficient they, those people are, though, because some of those what's ended up going, what ends up really happening is it's, it 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 ties into everything that kind of Gordon and I talk about is a lot of what these immigrants are doing is they will come here. They will own the authority and they will, and they get these (laughs) other guys here. They get these other newer immigrants here and then they lock them in to work for them for very cheap. It's indent. It becomes indentured servitude. And these guys are actually kind of kept as prisoners here and they hold their immigration status. Oh, if you quit or if you take this truck anywhere else, I'm just going to seize your green card. That's totally a thing. And at the end of the day, what it is doing overall is it's suppressing wages because that labor is also, these are the people who are, backing up to backing up into me at truck stops in Iowa. These are the people who are leaving their piss bottles at parking lots. These are the people who don't have standards and don't live by the code. So what's going to like going to be know. done about it? Just like that's the question, you know, like what nothing. do you do? Yeah, I really, there's nothing you can do about it. And keep talking I really about enjoy, it. <laughs> I really enjoyed the conversations that I've had with Richie in the past. Um, I, I don't agree with most of what he says. Uh, I don't think that the mindset should be we should all just be w2 and just roll over because it's easier because the system's so fucked that we should just be w2 i think is actually the opposite of the answer um i think i think we should all have a i can do it attitude instead of don't even bother trust me i tried it don't even bother um but that's that's really here nor there. The port of New Jersey is, is really just frankly corrupt. There is just like sort of um, there's sort of a hangover of the, the New Jersey like 1970s 80s mafioso way still lingers in what does remain unionized, which the port is, and a lot of the operators around the port just basically have been around long enough and own enough trucks debt free that they're able to ride out these terrible cycles. My truck stop is basically 80% sells to 80% of our volume is sold to port operators and our our volume is down 25% year over year from this time last year, which is massive. Um, But, you know, we've, we've seen these cycles happen before. So we prepare for them and we put money aside. I actually, as an operator was terrified in 2020 when the government issued us a PPP loan, we accepted it with open arms because we didn't know what was going to happen. We ended up having the busiest year in company history with the highest profits in company history. 
And it scared us so much that we kept the government's PPP loan in a separate bank account. Did you have did you did you have to take it? No, we didn't have to take it, but we genuinely didn't know what was gonna happen. So we took it because we were like actually afraid. And the way the documents were written was basically here is a non-recourse loan that you don't have to pay back as long as you keep, I believe, 75 or 85% of your staff. So you have to pay them even if there's no work for them. You have to keep them on payroll. So we did that with open arms. We thought we were doing the best thing, and we, you know, we were doing what, what was offered to us. Um, we ended up being busier than ever. A lot of companies didn't have that luxury. So we had money we wouldn't otherwise have, and we put it into an escrow account because we were actually afraid that the money was going to have to get paid back. And that really, really scared me. But we didn't go out and buy. And I, I make this joke all the time in the Discord, and it might not be well received by everybody. We didn't go buy G-Wagons. We put the money away for now. So yeah. now we're buying more trucks. So when the market ramps up, I'm, I'm redoing my software infrastructure, 180K. So it costs a shitload of money. Wow, we're really? buying trucks. We're preparing for when the next wave comes and it's going to be busy again. We're ready. We didn't, didn't spend put, the money didn't back any chrome, You didn't put any chrome on your trucks? No, we didn't buy... Dude, we didn't all go out and buy our wives G-Wagons and, and, and whatnot. And that's, that is the same thing. The PPP loans were also offered to independent owner-operators because they have themselves on their own payroll. So I had guys who I knew who got $26,000 checks to, just to keep themselves employed and then had the busiest year they ever had pulling drayage out of the port of New Jersey. They didn't save that money. They went out and put you know 10% down on a G-Wagon, and they still have to carry that car payment. And that's the a lot of guys are really fast in Facebook to say all the things that happens around them, but they're not willing to take the responsibility for how poorly they ran their businesses. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's it. There's a lot of guys like that, you know. The, it, a lot of drivers on uh, on social media love embellish, love embellishing. Channel is all the time. Yeah, yeah. They, they truckers are big yeah. embellishers. You know, like I call these people the one more guys on TikTok. They've always driven more miles. They make more money. Like as soon as you tell, like you know, this guy. I had this kid Jesse on my show. Works for Central Oregon. He's very transparent about his paychecks uh, on what he gets paid weekly by his company. And so many guys will be like, oh, I make this as an owner operator. I'm net in 10 grand. Anybody who's saying that they're net in 10 grand weekly as an independent owner operator with one truck is fucking lying to you. Unless they're unless they're moving like pharmaceuticals or like, you know, like somebody mentioned today or, you know, there's certain set but they'll never show you that they won't show you their settlement. And it's like, are you having some ten thousand dollar weeks? Shit, I I had a ten thousand dollar gross week not net i did ten thousand dollar gross week not too long ago but guess what you know there was also a lot of fuel that went into that yeah. i was lucky to get you know three loads up i was lucky again that it's not that's not the average there's it also a once. lot of decent weeks sometimes <clears throat> there's not so great weeks sometimes there's amazing weeks it's a blender it all averages in yeah, yeah. and one, one thing you know if i wanted to be like that jerk i could um, I could go in the comments and say, okay, break it down by hour. Show me your logs. Show me how many times, show me how long you were on duty driving and, and on duty uh, in the truck. And I, I, I think a lot of guys don't want to do that because once you start breaking down the numbers per hour, like maybe 25 an hour is like what most guys are doing, which ain't a lot for a truck. 
And that and that seems to be like the just the the, the rate that like, everybody's offering now if they're paying by the hour. And that needs to come up, 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 up. No, but that's that's why we're here. We're we're here to bring the integrity <laughs> back in. We're bringing integrity back into this in, industry and keep keep keeping it real. Yeah. Well, I mean, so like um, a lot of these like local guys, like the Cisco strikes that are happening right now, they're completely sure. I mean, they, they make a lot of noise. But like when we were saying earlier, like what is there to, as far as like you know, a union worried about um, scab workers like devaluing their labor. There's not a damn thing these guys are doing about that. They're negotiating with your employers, but as far as like, you know, barricading the uh, warehouses and, and preventing anyone from going in and out, like the days of those kind of strikes are gone. Like no, nobody would ever, you know, stop a truck from trying to leave a facility right now. You're just asking for a, like a huge lawsuit and stuff. So there's, um, I think I sent, did I send you that video? There's like a Cisco guy, like leaving a warehouse and he was, he was a supervisor for Cisco who had a CDL. And so they put him in the truck so he can get a load out the gate and when he was leaving he had the side door on the reefer trailer open <laughs> so all the, all the guys in the picket line are like well you idiot <laughs> that kind of stuff but but that's literally all they can do and, th- and if this was the days of like you know jimmy hoffa and stuff like that guy would have never made it out of his car to get into the truck like they, they would have a couple of a couple of guys with some tire wrenches would have come out and broken his legs and smashed every window in that guy's car and slashed all his tires and he would have had to like drag himself back home yeah, and you know, fortunately, and, that's not the case anymore. Yeah, I'm not, not, I'm not saying anymore. that. I'm, I'm not saying that needs to that needs to return. I mean, in in some, I, it's it's like I said, I I, I don't ever want to get into. I, I always, I don't like getting into arguments with people. Uh, you know, I do definitely have more of a pro union sentiment when it comes wait, to. Wait, you don't like to labors. get into arguments with people? Well, I don't want to make. I don't want to turn this show. I, you know, I don't want to turn this show into. I don't want to be some either be boxed into. Uh, because in some way, well, I guess it's too, probably too late for that because there's probably a quarter of people who listen who probably think I'm communists. There's probably other people. There's probably other people who think that I'm, you know, a, a, some sort of neo-fascist in a way because I said nice things about. Kings. When in reality, you're just a based monarchist. Yeah. Based when in reality, I'm actually just a, a super cool guy uh, who just wants people <laughs> to have better, more purposeful lives. But like, you know, I, I hate to get boxed into being like, oh, you're, you're pro union. You must be a libtard communist. And it's like, no, no it's just like, look, they, they I think that they still have reasons like, you know, could unions be tougher and stronger? And maybe, you know, was that physical strong arming? Did it have a purpose in place? Sure. I mean, the U.S. government uses it all around the globe and, and apparently it's OK to go in. But, you know, God forbid people want to protect their livelihoods by maybe not letting somebody, you know, take their job for cheaper are they really the enemy i guess is the, is the best way but is it really that evil is it so uncivilized when we march into you know lit, you know shit whole countries for <laughs> and, and march through them for two decades and you know blow their cities to smithereens like and then walk away with nothing and, you know it, it what's so you know what's so bad in, in that grand scheme of things like i said are unions the answer i don't know because look at walmart and what the and how they treat their drivers you know it's like so you know, there's truth in the middle. In New well, Jersey, yeah. In New Jersey, uh, to be a road constructor and to be awarded a bid, you need to be a union construction company. And New Jersey, the per mile cost to build a road is ten times the national average, and three times the cost of New York City. Yeah. Which is wild, but so, compared to the rest of the world, because in Germany it's 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 a uh, it's far less in places like Germany. In Germany, it's probably half as much. Because I, I remember seeing a stat on this: how all these other countries who have great unionized labor, they're paying fucking 
ungodly amounts less well, per he, mile. Well, you also have to consider. So if you're, it, it trickles down. So if you're a union road construction company, you can only buy fuel on site to your equipment by a fueling company who is a union fueling company. So I can't even sell, I can't even bid on road stuff. Only union fuel companies can. And since you're a union fuel company, you have to pay your guys union dollars. So everything gets inflated. Basically, everyone is just getting a VIG for the sake of tacking on more. If you abolished the union in general on the roadside construction in New Jersey, everything would cost less. And it's not even like the guys get paid more money. The prevailing wage is not that high because so much of it goes into pension, which there's no guarantee that they get. That shit got bailed out. They're lucky. Some of it yeah. goes into just union dues. So on like $38 an hour, they really only see 28 of it, which is basically what the going rate in New Jersey is anyway. So I, I see both sides of unions, but in New Jersey, it just doesn't work. If you, if, if, if you wanted to unionize me, if I had to be a union fueling company, I wouldn't do it. I would just, I would just leave the industry. But yeah, and what, what's great about you, like this is where they're not necessary. But on the flip side, what you're doing is you offer, you're offering, and this is, and this is the, the reason why the argument for unions, because like in countries like um, Sweden and Denmark, they have no minimum wages. There's no federal minimum yeah. wage laws in these countries because the set wages are simply the average wages between the private and public sector. So between the unions and the private market. So you, knowing you're competing with unions, offer fair wages and great benefits. And, you know, Walmart does, you know, and I feel like this is like Walmart's doing the same thing with their drivers. Like that's what it does. So like when unions do have a little bit of strength in that edge, like they do in Jersey, they're making companies like, like you guys. Okay. Well, Hey, look, if I don't do this, either my drivers are going to say, Hey, we're going to be teamsters now, or, you know, you, you know, you, like you said, you'd just quit. You, you would just yeah. sell the business and quit. Yeah, I would do it. So I, the, I, think, I think the difference with Walmart though is it's more of like a, an ingrained culture thing because Sam Walton like knew trucking in and out like so and he knew he needed to take care of his guys the cashiers and the stock clerks maybe not so much because you know those guys are aren't paid worth a damn but the truck drivers definitely sure are I mean when I when I started uh, trucking in 07, um, Harley Davidson and Walmart were like the two hardest companies to get into Harley Davidson doesn't even have a truck fleet anymore I think Schneider. Uh, contracts all their all their stuff now but until really? recently yeah until recently um walmart was still like one of the, walmart had a higher rejection rate than harvard for for drivers or for, well, i mean yeah for applicants for applicants yeah just for uh, applicants yeah <laughs> well that's yeah, that, walmart walmart doesn't have a, an undergraduate program <laughs> yeah. but chick-fil-a is the same way people always you know chick-fil-a franchise owners it's harder to be so hard yeah it's easier to get into harvard in those colleges because like to be a chick-fil-a franchise owner yeah you only need 10, 10 grand but you need to be an active member of your community you need to be active member of your church you need to be having you need to have been like you basically need to be like the um the guy from it's a wonderful life uh you know, yeah. of your town. You have to be that well loved by your community. To do My it. wife got through four out of five of the interviews. It is so hard. For Chick fil A? Yeah, for oh, Chick fil A. Wow. It's crazy. I went to one for the first time in years the other day. And yeah, oh my God, it's so nice. The place is like, dialed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So their drive throughs, their drive throughs are just like bomb. It's, it's, a, it's a machine. Yeah. And, and like everybody was happy to be there. It wasn't like, what do you want? It's like, hey, how can I help you? 
There's never mm-hmm. better customer service. Yeah, they're they're the proof in the pudding too when it comes to turnover and wages. Like yeah. they're like they're another company. Is, you... is Chick Fil A unionized? No, no. You, no. Could, you could start working there in high school. You could start working there in high school. Like I think I think managers at those stores are making six figures. And if you start, if you start the operator needs yeah. to spend thirty hours a week there. Yeah, the actual owner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The owner themselves yeah. of the franchise needs to work. That's there why as well. they ran. That's why they ran well. Yeah, the one I the one I went you to. You can't have a, twenty of them. They had a new guy uh, there. I, I guess they, they're like uh, Star Trek characters. They wear red shirts. Um, so I pull into the drive-through, <laughs> and like the, the guy's like stumbling. He's like trying to get around, but there's a trainer like right behind him, and she's like walking through the steps. And like it was great. Like how many times do you ever go to someplace and it's like a new person there, and they're screwing up, and you're like, this is the worst experience ever. This was like it was a new guy, and I could tell he was struggling, but like he was trying. It mm-hmm. wasn't like there was no effort. Like it was it was like enjoyable. It was an enjoyable experience, but uh, In-N-Out Burger, same, same, yeah, same yeah, concept. Costco, they also have sick trucks. They do. I, and and I wonder, In-N-Out has sick. How trucks. is it, and how is that going to continue? Because those those Peterbilt's that they have aren't going to be. Uh, you can't renew the registration starting this year. Yeah, in California. Yeah. So what? The yeah, fuck I don't know. I mean, their whole like the where they open stores is determined by where they can like deliver their own using their own. Fleet. Yeah. Yeah, because around here they're day cabs. Like, because uh, there's. There's a couple. There's an in and out in New Braunfels. There's there's several not far from. There's a lot in Central Texas, and but they're all day cabs. So well, it's still the Peterbilt's, right? Yeah, yeah. I just like oh, the the idea of like a fleet of of like white Volvo in and out burgers just disgusts me to my core. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny, but yeah, their business model is set up the same way. But hey, uh, <clears throat> we've been we've been ripping for two hours here, man. I uh, you got you guys you guys ready to. Uh, you guys ready to cash in or what? Yeah, my, I think my I'm cult, ready. I think my, we blew right by Reed Spaces. Yeah. Oh no, we're not even doing that tonight. We're doing. Yeah, it on, that's uh, good. We're doing we it should, on Thursday. We should have figured out how to like stream this via uh, Twitter and made this like this. this, this oh, it's it's live on Twitter right now. Oh, beautiful. Yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's been live on Twitter, dude. Hey, but, I just need to announce that uh, I, I I stood up and walked away because my uh, daughter got her first tooth. Oh, nice. Congratulations. Nice. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Do you see do you see the other ones coming in through the gums yet? That's always no, creepy. No, no, just just one little oh, it's one. So gross. Next next time that's you change awesome. your diaper and if your head's back, check out her gums. That's what we did with my son. He got like five teeth all at once. Dude, it, it looks was, weird, man. Oh, it's so gross. It's so yeah. gross seeing the gums come out. Kind of, it's yeah. kind of crazy, you know, after all these years of evolution or whatever, why we only get two two sets of teeth. You know, I think we get robbed on mm-hmm. on teeth. Like, <laughs> how well, we don't like can- you can pull them all out and get fresh ones put in if you want, dude. Yeah, I mean, my that, my lower my lower two are uh, fake. Well, yeah. They're, when's they're when's nature interest. gonna take over? And you know, well, maybe we can put in like uh put in like a, a help ticket with uh, with God or something, and he might dial in. Uh, you might figure out, you know, dial sure. in a, a dial in a firmware update for us. What, like sharks get like thirty two sets of teeth or some shit. Like, I, I was just gonna say all, all these guys that are messing around, messing around with sharks that are beaching themselves. You know, let, let one of them figure something out. And... Yeah, we're getting we're getting robbed <laughs> on that. But hey, great great thing to know. Twitter Spaces, you know, to anybody, you know. Hopefully everybody's made it. This one's definitely for the drivers. Two hours you have to listen in increments. But I, on yeah. this Thursday, and actually normally read mm-hmm. our spaces normally every going to be every Tuesday Thursday from now on. I'm thinking so. I'm I'm like thinking of moving them to just Thursdays because I'm like fucking busy. Uh, if somebody, Justin, I don't know if you want to host one on Tuesday, and if I can come, I, I will, and I'll just do the one Thursday. And if you and if you want to come, great. I don't know. It, I would mean, be my, it would be my pleasure. Um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I, I used to have a podcast for Freight Waves, 
um, you know, the Back to Truck Up podcast, but we don't do that anymore. And it was it was a lot of fun flexing my uh, podcast muscles on. Let's that do again. that. Yeah, let's. I, I'm like, I want to do them, and we're gonna continue to do them at least once a week. But like, fuck, dude, like it's a lot of work, and it's it's a and lot it of time. Is. And now that I'm like, and now that my kids like, it's like right during her bedtime, and I'm like always away, and my wife is pissed at me, and and I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> just mine's mine's texting me saying, hey, we wrap it up, boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no but let's justin i'll talk to you i'll talk to you and we'll and we'll sort it out um, okay yeah yeah no it was fun yeah oh, I, I put my i don't know if you heard him screaming at the beginning of the podcast but eight o'clock is his bedtime um but nothing nothing a little melatonin can't fix <laughs> as we're discovering <laughs> oh yeah let's go <clears throat> perfect so twitter spaces what time this thursday it's on uh it's, it's 9 p.m eastern yeah 9 p.m eastern 9 yeah. p.m. Easter. So, yeah, be there. Anybody who listens, come on. It doesn't matter whether you work in the industry or not. What we're trying to do is get this conversation going and mainstream it. Mainstream it to the same level. Like I said, before you know it, Matt's will be the next. You know, we're going to turn Matt's into the next Burning Man. This, we do Lumber Appreciation Week during Matt's. Oh, that, well, that's an, God, <laughs> God help us if they ever resurrect Gats. Because we had Matt's this year, but no Gats. I think Gats is, is defunct. But if somebody ever What is, what is their- Mid-America Truck Show, Mid-America Lumber Show, Malls? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah, yeah. We could have the base. We, we could have the uh, trying to what, what could be balls based, yeah, yeah. The based American Lumper Show, based American Lumper Show, yeah. Balls. Right, right. We'll, we'll, we'll work on the title, <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll workshop some stuff, but before we sign off, uh, let's go around the room, you know, for, for all the listeners out there. Where can we find you, Dom? Where can the people find you and support what you got going on? Sure. Uh, mostly on Twitter. I'm Dominic underscore Tulo on Twitter. You could find me there. And also check out, make sure you guys check out the Truck Coin Swap podcast and what we got going on over at TCS. There's a lot of exciting things and I haven't gotten into too much detail on it yet because I need to, I don't know everything I'm able to, to go into and talk about. I have to get with Todd about that, but there's a lot of great stuff going on. If you remember back to the episode I did with Dom, factoring is another thing that um, they, it's dead glue at this point. It's it's a predatory part of this industry that just <laughs> takes money out of carriers, and we're trying to and we're trying to we're trying to fix that. So definitely check out you know go check out Dom on Twitter and and check out the TCS podcast. And Justin, where, where can the people find you and what you're up to? Because you ju- you mentioned it, you're not doing back to truck up anymore, but you're still with Freight Waves. Yeah, so, so we, we we wrapped all that up back into what the truck. Uh, so I run the the what the truck Twitter at uh, FW what the truck. Uh, same handle for our TikTok, uh, FW What the Truck. We just reached 5,000 followers on Twitter and 30,000 followers on TikTok as of yesterday. So, hooray for us. Um, Bro, send some, send some traffic my way. What the fuck? You got it. You got, hey, I, I repost everything you guys post. I, I, yeah. I send some love your way. And then uh, my personal Twitter is at Super Trucker. The, the name is ironic. I, I, I die a little bit inside every time somebody at Freight Waves introduces me as Justin Super Trucker Martin because they don't. They don't get the joke. They just yeah. think it's a cool name. No, that's the best part, though. <laughs> yeah, it's don't, money. Don't 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 tell them. That handle is worth money. Read. I was I was sitting. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. I was okay. sitting at a truck stop in uh, Ruther Glen, Virginia, and I saw some guy's window get smashed in, and that's how I came up with the, the name Super. It just the name just like popped ah. in my head. I was on Twitter. And I was like, I need a username, and I didn't want to keep using Phoenix Smasher, like I've always been using, because I'm a big Tekken guy. So I came up with something else because I saw some guy's window get smashed in. <laughs> so that's 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 where Super Trucker came from. Love that. Oh Wait. me, yeah. uh, um, my Twitter handle is lost is read. If you are int- if you're a carrier, 
and you're interested in something that's freaking awesome, you can go to lostfreight.com. It's spelled L-O-S-T-F-R-8, the number eight, just to confuse people, lostfreight.com. It's awesome. You can follow us at Lost Freight on Twitter, too, with an underscore after it. Um, you can join our Discord if you're interested in talking with us fine people frequently. Uh, you could go to discord.lostfreight.com and you can join. Uh, I think that's it. No, I think that wraps it up, man. That, that That's episode 69 in the books. The march to episode 420 begins now. <laughs> and uh, I look, I look forward to what all, what all of us are going to do uh, between sixty nine and four twenty, because I think a lot of I think a lot of good stuff is in the future. As Dom has said, I, I'm very bullish on the freight communities, uh, and especially when it comes to all of you guys, uh, I can't appreciate you enough for coming on. I uh, love this talk. We'll, we'll be doing it more again. Like I said, I, I'd like to take the show. I'd like to do more live. I'd like to just you know I'm trying to talk to obviously as many drivers as possible. Dom, you being a fleet owner, you know read continuously talking to carriers and all of us learning so you know you'll be i need to have you guys rotating back on especially as stuff goes off in the media so we'll all be in touch but i can't thank you enough and thank you all for listening especially if you made it this far especially if you tuned in live <laughs> thanks Mike. thank you lombardi thanks for having me man but yes gentlemen take care have see you on the guy. next one see you